Hey guys, it's me, Lance. And while I have you here listening to our show, I wanted to take a second and reach out to all the people out there that are thinking about starting their own show, starting their own podcast. When we started this thing back in February of 2019, we were really trying to figure out which platform we needed to go with. Well, in about 30 seconds after searching, we've stumbled upon Anchor. And since February of 2019, we have not looked back because, guys, it's pretty simple. With the quality that they provide, the accessibility that the platform provides, along with the fact that it's absolutely free, while you could potentially be making money doing it, it was pretty easy for us. And I think it'd be easy for you as well. So do me a favor. If you're thinking about starting your own show, you're thinking about starting your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I promise you guys, you won't regret it. All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, Let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. Tuned into the spoken spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 103 is in full effect, full swing, full motion. We are so glad that you are here with us as we uh Embark into a unforeseen time as Chiefs fans, Darkness. as uh, sports fans. Darkness. This is now, yeah, it's kind of the dark times where, you know, we now have to get really creative. You know, we have a lot of low-hanging fruit to talk about, but now this is officially uh, the NFL offseason, and um, we hope that you guys stick around because this is a year-around show that we like to do here. And for all of our live streamers, all of our YouTubers and uh, OG podcasters, man, we really do appreciate all you guys being here with us each and every week. We hope we keep things entertaining and fresh for you guys. We've been getting a lot of positive responses, a lot of responses, period, uh, about the show, about the Facebook group, uh, the Twitter, all that stuff, man. It's it's just been really cool to see uh, people coming about and and, and coming around and and, and supporting this thing and making it what it is. We really do thank all of you guys. so we got a lot of you know chief stuff to talk about tonight, and we're gonna definitely get into that. We're gonna talk about um, briefly. I'll add uh, what happened in that Super Bowl game that was not fun whatsoever. Nevertheless, uh, we have you know some 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 really good things to look forward to as far as what this Chiefs team can do in this offseason to, um, as I would like to say, take it back, uh, run it back. Was the tour they went on in twenty twenty? I like to think they're gonna go on a take it back tour. In 2021, we're going to get to all that. We got the Eddie Hour coming up. We got the Monday Mailbag. We're going to hand out some L's, maybe some potential W's. You never know uh, anymore on, the, on this show. But, you know, I, I really wanted to start the show off with uh, something that is very, I would say, without question, near and dear to my heart. Uh, and definitely to Trevor as well, uh, seeing we both grew up in the same house. And the Chiefs have always been our number one uh, team, uh, what we look to in the world of sports, this is always you know what we we loved the most when it came to sports was the Chiefs and um, losing the Super Bowl in itself sucked. <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way. It was it was not a fun game. Um, it was a rough weekend. Not even mentioning the fact that 
before the game even began, we get reports, confirmed reports that Andy Reid's uh, son, who was the Chiefs at the time, outside linebackers coach, Britt Reid, um, putting a, a, an innocent five-year-old child by the name of Ariel in critical condition, who, by the way, is still in critical condition, and we don't know what's going to happen with her. And that alone, I mean, we can just end right there, and we started the last week's show with that. That alone is, is a tragedy in itself that, that really brings uh, a real somber presence to, to what's been going on in Kansas City, that in itself. Then the Chiefs lose the game, and as a fan, that really sucks, especially the way the game went down. And, you, and, and it just it, it really just compiled and compiled as the game went on. You just felt more and more depressed as the game went on. And at the end of that game, I'm going to be honest with you guys, for the first time in probably my entire life, or at least in a very long time, I really did not want to watch sports. I didn't want to talk sports. I didn't want to hear anything about sports. I actually took a mental break on Monday. I've never done that before. I'm, I'm being honest with you guys. Every single day since I can remember, I have consumed sports at some magnitude. Monday, I did not. And it was a very weird day. And then Tuesday rolls around, and we get the word that longtime Chiefs head coach, Marty Schottenheimer, had passed away the day before. And that was a real gut punch because we all knew that Marty had been dealing with Alzheimer's uh, since 2014, in fact. It's been a long battle. He was on his, yeah, we knew he was on his way out. Yeah, he, he, was, in, he was back in North Carolina with his family, and we'd seen videos from NFL Network where they, you know, he's talking about his wife, and he's talking about where they're living, and she, t- she reminds him, no, we live here now. Yeah. And you can just, it, it breaks your heart. But you knew it was, it was getting to this place. And, you know, we could sit here and, and, and break down what Marty meant to Kansas City, but everybody knows. Everybody knows whether you, you've been a Chiefs fan for 25 minutes or you've been like Trevor and I, and we've been lifelong Chiefs fans for 25, 30 years. Marty Schottenheimer saved this franchise. He saved it. Carl Peterson and, and Marty Schottenheimer rejuvenated and revived the Chiefs franchise and made it into what it is to this day. Straight up, point blank, plain and simple. And we have a lot. We owe a lot to, to Marty Marty uh, Schottenheimer for what he did in his time in Kansas City. Gave did us, he ever gave us something to root for? Man. Yeah. Did, did, the, did the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? Even get to the Super Bowl? No, they didn't. And we can break that down because a lot of it wasn't even Marty's fault. The fact that they just did not get him the quarterback, and when he had one, they wanted to play the guy that was making more money. We're not going to get into that today. All I want to say is that it really broke my heart to know that Marty, even though he did live a long life, he was seventy, about to be seventy-eight years old. And he did battle with Alzheimer's for over seven years. To know that he really is gone, it's just a real gut punch because it always brings you back to the other people that you've lost that you know you watch Chiefs games with. We think of our grandpa and you know how my grandpa was the biggest Marty Schottenheimer fan. He criticized him like crazy, just like I do with Andy Reid. But you guys know deep down, I love Andy Reid. I'm so glad he is our coach. It's just it's it's one of those love hate relationships you have with people that you're close to, and even though I never met Marty, I never knew Marty. My grandfather Trevor, we never met Marty. We felt like he was a part of our family because we we knew him so well, and he was this motivator of men. He was this guy that it wasn't just the coaching aspect that made him a tough guy. It was the fact that he was a family driven type of guy. I mean, we heard JJ uh, Burden, uh, old old Chiefs receiver man. He, he spent the majority of his career here in Kansas City. Told a story on Twitter this la- the, these last few days about how Marty literally gave him $200 to keep him on this team until he could get him the contract he wanted to have because other teams were calling J.J. during training camp. 
He didn't have a contract yet. He gave him two hundred dollars. Said, "Can this get you by? And just buy me enough time to get you signed." And I, I don't want to ruin the story. JJ put it on his uh, his Twitter account. I definitely hope that you guys. We're going to try to get JJ on the show on the next couple of weeks to to actually give us the that story in full detail. But listening to JJ's uh, words and and how Marty, after all these years, that was back in I think nineteen ninety, to look 1991 ish. I forget what what year that was. To think thirty plus years later. For that to still be a story that, that that moves JJ the way it does, and these other guys, we've heard stories throughout the week uh, of what Marty meant to these men as a man, not just a coach, as a man, speaks absolute volumes. And I don't know what your thoughts are on this, Trevor, but it was it was definitely a gut punch to me, man. Yeah, I mean, it's he's a legend, man. Like he he embodied cheese football. He embodied the new era of cheese football, and it never looked back. Uh, he brought that Smash Mouth football to Kansas City. You know, before that, we weren't really known for that. You know, we were known for a lot of, you know, guys in and out, you know, players in and out of the of the, of the team and, you know, never having a guy really. Um, he brought that. He, he established a core player of players, you know, established a, uh, a mean defensive line um, and found talented running backs, you know, and, and you know, just he made, he made cheese football fun again. You know, like you said, there was never much success those years. We got to big games. We failed in weird ways. Uh but yeah, I mean, it, it's with with him, and it, it, we all kind of knew it was coming eventually. Um, him, you know, dealing with what he's dealing with with the Alzheimer's, and you know, just knowing what that what that disease is capable of, and what you know what the the, the end result typically is um, after after dealing with it for a few years, a handful of years, and so on. Um, we all kind of saw it coming and nearing its end. It was just it sucks to say goodbye to a guy that impacted our lives that much, and, and is the you know probably the, the the biggest reason why we were as big of cheese fans as we are just because he embodied that passion right he was he was the guy that was screaming on the sidelines and beat red you know veins bursting out of his neck and that's we all embodied that with him we, we kind of became who he was as cheese fans he he, he completely changed the culture single-handedly like you said he, he absolutely changed the culture here in kansas city and made it what it is and the, the passion of fan fan base that it is now um so yeah it's a it's a I'm not gonna say it's tragic because, like we, all, like I said, we was kind of a slow burn. We all kind of knew it was coming. It's just, it's whenever you say goodbye to a legend like that in this city, you know, there's not, a, there's not a lot of big names that Kansas City can really, you know, lean its head on or hang its hat on. I guess you'd just say, um, but he's definitely one of those guys that for the culture in the Kansas City area. So, yep, um, rest in peace, man, for sure. Tuesday was a was a rough day in that in that regard alone, and you start to feel the the weights of of you know that that last four or five day stretch and like i said with ariel and, and her critical condition chiefs losing the way they did in the super bowl and yeah. then we get the news like i said of marty and you're thinking well it couldn't get any worse than this like that, that's i mean we're tapped out like I, i'm about as emotional as i could possibly get at this point um about three four o'clock uh that later that day on tuesday I, i'm leaving my office and I'm about to hit play on one of my favorite podcasts in the world, and it's the Yahoo Football uh, podcast with uh, Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. I'm literally about to push play, and I get a text that I, you know, you 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 experience things that are just random. You never like wake up that morning and say, you know what, I think that's going to happen today. That was one of these moments. I got a text saying that I can't believe I'm telling you this, bro, but. Therese Paler's dead. I, I I'm I'm sitting here like, dude, there's no way. It's a joke. People are just trying to, 
you know, put salt on the wound. Like, of course, like people are going to say crap like this because, you know, the Chiefs just lost. It's got to be a joke, right? And just simply go on Twitter, man, and I'm seeing verified accounts of people that are confirming this. I honestly didn't know what to say at the moment. I honestly still don't to this to this moment. And and to think that after the Super Bowl, I wanted nothing to do with sports. But the moment I heard about Therese, all I could think about was I would give anything to hear him talk sports right in that moment. I didn't know Therese very well. I, I, him and I had talked a couple times on Twitter. But that man could not have meant more to me than he did. I, you can ask my girlfriend. I've been, and I, I shouldn't even be admitting this, but I, I've been an emotional wreck about this one uh, because, and it's not to differentiate from the, the feelings of remorse with Marty, but Marty lived a full life. And like Trevor alluded to, we saw it coming. We saw the progression of his disease. As sad as it is, we could kind of embrace it and we could kind of prepare ourselves for that devastation. No one saw this coming with Therese. The man was 37 years old. And it was just that, just like that. And to say that he was on his way to be the next Peter King is putting it mildly. It's, 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 that is about as common sense of a statement I could put, possibly put out there. He was one of, if not the best football writers in the world. And Therese came from Detroit. He was born and raised in Detroit. But he was one of us here in Kansas City. He spent 12 years at the Star and has been with Yahoo since 2018. But he never stopped loving Kansas City. He never stopped being one of us. There was this unprecedented connection with him because we've had other big guys come and go out of Kansas City. You know, we've had Joe Pesnanski, we've had Jason Whitlock, we've had other guys come and go through Kansas City. But there was something about Therese that we just attached ourselves to. And it's because of the fact that just like Marty, he embodied something that Kansas City loved. He was passionate about this game. He loved it. This was not a job to Therese. This was his passion. This was his love, and he treated all of us like family. If you just go on Twitter, I mean, if you're not on Twitter by now, I don't know what you're doing, but as soon as that happened, I can't tell you how many thousands of people were screenshotting DM conversation. And we're talking random fans. We're not even talking about affiliates. We're not talking other verified accounts or other sports Figures, journalists, we're talking random Chiefs fans that have had these interactions with Therese Baylor and how humble he was, how good he was, and how real he was to these people, how genuine he was to these people. He was very unique. He was was every – and I know I'm repeating some of the things other guys have said because we have to wait till Friday to get our thoughts off, and by that time everyone's pretty much said everything. But he was everything you'd want in a sports reporter. He had the knowledge to be on a coaching staff. He knew this game inside and out. But he wanted to give us the stories. He wanted us he wanted us to hear the stories. He wanted to give us an illustration of sorts of what he sees in this game. But he was also meek and humble enough to level with you as a human being. 
And to know that this man only lived 37 years, it's an injustice. And it saddens me. It breaks my heart. I've, I've cried more than a few times this week about it. And again, this wasn't even like a buddy of mine. This is just somebody I looked up to. And I always told everybody, you guys, you guys included, whenever we've talked about rumors I'm hearing about, I've always said, man, if Therese doesn't report it or confirm it, it ain't true. Yep. It ain't true. You got to wait for Therese to confirm that shit. Yep. It was always trust in Therese, man, for me. And to know that we don't have that anymore, to know that that, that he's no longer here, like it, I, I still can't wrap my mind around it. I still can't wrap my emotions around it. All I know is it hurts, man. It really hurts because, again, he's not from here, but he was one of us. And I feel so bad for his fiance Ebony, man. I feel so bad for his family. I feel so bad for all of his friends. I watched Steve Weich, man, on NFL Network. That Rough. tore me up. Rough, man. To know another Howard University graduate, dude, and all the, from the alma mater, man, to, to sit there on national television and just try to power through knowing he wasn't going to get through that segment on national television but still tried. And everybody, you can't name a single person that had a negative story about Therese. There's usually you know, a scandal here and there about this guy or this person. And, yeah, but he did this, and I don't know if I can get it. No, it, he was great to everybody, man. Yeah. And we really lost a, a, a real giant in, in the world of sports and, in more particular, a human being in Kansas City. And uh, to lose – Marty Schottenheimer and Therese Paler within the same 24 hour span. I mean, it, it, with the tragedies that have gone on, the, the, the Super Bowl is the least of the, of the, of the, of the sad stories that we're dealing with here in Kansas city. And, um, God, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it all, man. Yeah. It's, uh, you never really know how attached you are to certain things until they're gone. Attachment's a funny thing. It's, it's, you know, you, how much you're so used to having something he's something as reliable as a guy like Therese. I mean, there was nothing I looked, no one I, I looked more forward to every week listening to back before he was on at Yahoo, which I was super happy for him, man, when he got on at Yahoo because the recognition, what he's came from, you know, being a walk on journalist over at the Star, not being recognized as a very good journalist because he wasn't very good at the time. And People made that you know made a note of that that he wasn't very good and he persevered and got better and got better and his passion you know just kept pushing and helping him persevere through that and he became the man he is at such a young ripe age you know he's he had a lot under his belt now as far as his resume but yeah I mean I was attached to the guy man just I know I well, he wasn't a, a personal friend you know wasn't a guy that we I mean we had as far as interactions go but I mean that I every week I listen to that guy when he was on 16 all the time I always look forward every draft season I always look forward to his all juice team the guy was always nails with his picks too and and identifying talent I swear the guy could have been a legitimate scout if he wanted to be um just yeah, like you said his passion is is it was very infectious he had a very unique way and tone of the way he spoke. You know, he always had those little <laughs>, laughs at the end when he would say something to emphasize um, when he would make a statement. You know, this guy, <laughs> uh, he, uh, he's got juice. Uh, you know, he would have that little preacher in him, man. And that was just something about Therese that was just so contagious and just easy to listen to. Just like soup for the mind when you want to talk, when listen to somebody talk sports. He was just so passionate and, and knowledgeable for such a young guy being as knowledgeable as he is about football. It was just there is a, such a bright future ahead, which is the the most painful part for me, honestly, besides my personal attachment to listening to him selfishly, enjoying his talents, just the future that was ahead of him, you know, let alone being, you know, a fiance and ready to dive into marriage. 
probably being an incredible dad, you know, that's, it's tragic, man. This one's definitely tragic for the city. Anyone who, like you said, was like us, listened to him consistently, um, prided themselves on, on being someone who, you know, takes in his content and uses his content to gain more knowledge for myself. Um, yeah, man, it, it, we lost, uh, this, this, this definitely overshadows the, the Super Bowl loss. I mean, the Super Bowl was painful, but then this cloud of, you know, loss on top of all that just kind of takes a lot of that into perspective with reality and that being just a game and this being real, real life with people's lives. He's going to be missed, man. Uh, his content was very, like I said, very unique and very near and dear to the city. Um, I love the guy, man. I, I made that very clear on my, my Instagram posts, my, my social media posts that he was my guy. He was my go-to. Like there was no one else I went to in sport, especially in, in local sports. He was always the guy. If I knew he was going to be on 610, I tuned in every single time, you know, whether it was on my app, on my phone, whether it was on the radio, in my car, I made sure I always listened to whenever they said Therese is going to be on this time. I made sure and listened to it. Um, Cause that was, that was my guy, man. I, I, I respected his takes always did. And then when he went to Yahoo, I listened to the podcast every single week. Him and Charles Robinson were, the chemistry is incredible. Um, their knowledge together was just, I mean, it's, yeah, man, it's this, this one hurts bad. Um, this was, it was so unexpected. 30, just turned 37. I mean, not very much older than us, you know? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, man, it's a tragic loss. Um, it's going to take some time to get used to not hearing his voice or uh, talk about the chiefs and, you know, giggling about how incredible Patrick Mahomes is and how arrogant and cocky Andy Reid can be. It's just that insight. This is not going to be there anymore. Um, so yeah, you know, rest in peace, man. The one thing I will say before we go, before we take a break, is uh, I'm uh, I'm really glad that Marty and Therese got to see the Chiefs win a Super Bowl. Absolutely, I'm really glad that happened. It would have been even more of a tra- tragic uh, event if both those guys never got to see that. And um, we are a we were a better city because of both of those men. And um, I hope that those of us still around can maintain the legacy and build upon it, and help contribute to building it. So. Rest in peace to Marty Schottenheimer and Therese Paylor. We'll be back after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. 
Find them online at CommandeerBrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twiddle, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell What's good? and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. So we, uh, we, we, we left off on a uh, very serious, somber note. Uh, we, we needed to address those things, but we still have a show to, to do, guys. We still have sports to talk. And so I said, you know what? Trevor and I ran our mouths for a while. It's time to get our guy, Eddie, into the show. Eddie, what's going on in the Eddie Hour oh, this week, buddy? Oh, man. Uh... So a few questions for you guys. Nothing, nothing too hardcore to to piss you off or anything like that. It's <laughs> not to, possible to lighten the mood a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> to trigger anything. <clears throat> Hopefully, um, he always uh, says that, but he always has like those at least like one wrinkle. He's like, so Lance, your mom. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> she says yeah. hi. <laughs> yeah. but not, not like that today. Not like that today. Too bad. All right. Uh, we'll start with the MLB. Uh, I don't know if you heard of the, the the trade the Royals did just a couple of days ago. What should the Royals expect out of Andrew Benintendi? Okay, so I've followed the Red Sox for many, many years. Benny and, Biceps, man. Yeah, Benny Biceps uh, was a – I believe they drafted him in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. The Royals really liked Andrew Benintendi back then, but the Royals had, I think, like the 21st overall pick of that season because they had just won the World Series the year before, and they were still pretty good in 2016. So the Royals have always had their eyes on him. What I will say to Royals fans and what expectations they should have is you're getting a 26-year-old athletic freak, if we're being honest. So this guy is, is he's very skilled athletically. Um, the shortcomings, however, with, with Benintendi is he's not – He's not a good base runner. Uh, he struggles very badly at base running. So that's something that the Royals are going to really have to work on him uh, to, in order because, you know, the Royals are a small ball team just by culture alone. So he's going to really have to work, you know, on how to steal bases and, and, and situational movements on, on the base paths. He's also a very below average defender, I would say. Now, being a left fielder in the, with the Green Monster at Fenway, it's a very hard job. You think, oh, it's a short porch. It should be easy. No. Getting getting baseballs bounced off that fucking peppered wall, I mean, it's just it's it's a very tough job to have. And he's been moved around in the outfield out there. He, he struggles at times. Got a decent arm. But what the Royals are getting out of him that I think they wanted the most was his bats. When he hits, when he gets in his groove, the, the dude can slug. He really, really can hit. And I think with with the gaps at Kaufman, I mean it's not a it's not a home run friendly uh, stadium, but but with with his ability to hit the gaps, I think that that's where they're going to be getting out of him, and I think that's what Royals fans really have to look forward to. Now the Royals did give up um, some young talent with Khalil; they gave up that young player that they were really big on. So that should tell you how serious they are about Bendenson. He having two years left on his uh, under control. Whether the rules are really serious about trying to extend him beyond two years, that's a legitimate question to ask, and we can revisit that when that time comes. But I think this move, I think the rules are being ultra, ultimately aggressive with this because of the fact that they know they're not going to contend in 2021. This move is for 2022. Yeah. That's And I'm not making a prediction yet, 
But I, I'm going to tell you guys right now, I think there's a very good chance the, the Royals are World Series contenders in 2022. They will that have – for sure. And I know that sounds crazy. I get it. I totally understand because right now they're a 70-ish win team. But it changes that quickly when you bring up young studs. And they have Asa Lacey. They have some of these young, young pitchers that are right now going to be getting their cut. They're going to be getting their teeth cut right now. They're going to be up, up in the majors this season starting 10 to 15 times. Learning that experience, just like they did back in 2013, 2014, and then you saw in 2015. They I mean, Ben is only 26. He's only 26 years old. Yeah, he's still got with Whit Merrifield. Like I said, like uh, you have you have uh, Solaire, you have uh, Salvi still. You have these Salvi just had his best batting average of his career last season, 3.30 batting average. If you could just get a simple thing out of uh, something as close to that from Salvi over the next two seasons, you're looking at a team. That, it, that can contend with the White Sox for the AL Central. And I think that's what's going to happen in 2022. So overall, I think this is a win for the Royals. I think yeah. I think their own their owner, Sherman, is showing how aggressive he wants to be. He wants to spend when there's no money. They literally lost money last year. The MLB did not do well. And he's out here spending money, trading assets. I mean, when was the last time you guys heard that the Red Sox are getting assets from the Royals so they can get a star player? That's never happened. Right. At least not for the last 30 years. It's always... The Royals are getting farm guys from the Red Sox. The Red Sox are getting the stars from the Royals. Yeah. So it's a different time. It's a different era. And I think the Royals are really trying to contend early. I think they're going to do it next season. In the meantime, the, Chief, the, the Chiefs, the Royals are still building. And I think Ben Attendee is a nice piece to build around. Absolutely. He's a versatile player. Like I said, he's only 26. He's still, he, he's still, he still hasn't, I don't think he's reached his peak yet. He's still you know, developing. He spent the majority of the short season last year hurt. He played 14 games. Didn't do too much, obviously. Um, but when, like you said, he, he could become a slugger for the Royals if he wants to. This kid's a jack dude. He can play every position in the outfield. He can he can be ver- very versatile. He's got a cannon arm. Um, I think I think they're they're wanting to use him as kind of that chess piece kind of guy. He could be a slugger, and he's a, a legitimate outfielder. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to expect. If I'm being honest, I know he's got it when he when he the, a change of scenery can be big for a lot of especially young guys finding new inspiration you know and coming to a a championship town Kansas City I know he's in Boston which is another great championship town a lot of history there rich, he's coming here with a ring rich with that yeah exactly yeah. for sure so um I've always liked the kid I have a secret little crush on Boston I've always kind of have so I like I like the culture there I like the way baseball's ran over there um so a, getting a plucking a player from a championship team in Boston is not a bad idea uh, for Kansas City. So the the kid being who he is, coming off you know an injury riddled season last year, a short COVID season, he still has a lot to prove not only to himself but to the league. Um, he's a specimen. I mean, the kids like I said, the kid's jacked. He's in great shape. He can you can move him around in the outfield. He can he's got a good arm and he can hit the ball when he's finds his rhythm. He can really slug that ball. So I think I think it's a win for the Royals. I know they gave up some young pieces as well, but. I think this is, is a de- developmental thing, and he could be a really good locker room guy because he's a, he's a really witty, smart young guy that could be good for the locker room as well. So I like I like the signing. Cool. All right, next question's uh, NBA related. So today on Twitter, uh, this name's been trending is a trending topic in Twitter, and that's because the Atlanta Hogs are willing to listen to trades for John Collins. So my question to you guys is, what team can use his talent? John Collins is a beast, bro. <laughs> the real question I think is going to be who who wouldn't want yeah. to try to get his assets on there. I I don't, don't know, Trey. Don't, don't sleep on the Kings, man. Yeah. I think the Kings the Kings have been trying to make moves. The I Kings think are if, trying to get Bradley Beal. I know. Talking. I think if John Collins gets traded, though, it's going to be to a contender. 
Uh, the Kings are a contender right now. They're one of the best teams in the last two months. <laughs> I, okay. I, I don't want to give them a contender title yet. Yeah, you can sleep on the Kings all you want. The Kings, yeah, Kings are going to. Okay, the Kings' rotation has been one of the best in the league. I get it. Okay. It's right. very. It's we we're like twenty games in. Aaron Fox averaged almost thirty points a game. Right. I now, get right. it. I'm not giving them contender right. title yet, especially in the West. Right. Um, Collins. They're contending, think, they're contending for the eighth spot, Lance. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, Trevor, but isn't Collins a pretty good defender? Dude, he's a beast. He's the only thing. The only knock on him is he's had like knee injuries and yeah. injuries. But dude, he's a monster. Okay, yeah. then, then I'm gonna throw this out here as a for a contender. Yeah, the Nets need a trade for him. I know that sounds crazy because uh, the Nets don't have a lot of assets right now. If they can give up any kind of picks and give up anybody on that bench, I don't know if they'd be able to afford him. What do you mean? I'm not, I'm not saying he's like. Uh, we have to look at the total as far as affording him, as far as like what assets they would have to be able to give away anymore because they've already cleaned house for the most right. part. They got rid of most. Of I death. guess my question. I guess what I'm trying to say is the theory, theoretically what teams could use because that was the question. I think the Clippers. The, could the Nets use have him. the worst defense probably in, in the NBA right now, and they're trying to win a title. You add him to that equation, if they found a way to keep the three studs they have plus John Collins, I know what team would, would, would benefit. Then the you most. go go ahead. I think the Mavericks would benefit greatly. That's a good call um, because the Mavericks. That's kind of the position that power forward position. I know that they have Porzingis who who dominates the, the the five, obviously being a very versatile center and what he is, but he's never trustworthy with his injury history. He's in and out. Luca's been. Doing pretty good this year. He's, he's he's on and off though, hot and cold. That whole team's hot and cold, honestly. This year, that roster's really good, but they've been underperforming, honestly. If we're if we're being honest with ourselves, oh definitely. Um, so I think a dominant power forward and a, a guy a power forward that can go get you thirty on a nightly basis yeah. and is very aggressive on the boards is something that they would need. I, I think. I guess my question though, and, and to like answer the question with the question is, why are the Hawks so adamant about trying to trade? The Hawks drug. have been pretty good this That's year. That's what I'm saying. Like Trey Young's having an awesome season. Like, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's a cancer in the locker room. Maybe, maybe. there's, there's, there's things gotta be something you know, we don't know because he's obviously a talent. I mean, he, he's yeah. athletically, he is a freak, man. Right. That guy, he can he can shoot the ball fairly well too. And what are you trying to get in return? Yeah, like that's the thing. It's like yeah, because he hasn't proven much. I I, I like him because I know him well and I played a lot of fantasy basketball. I know yeah. his numbers and just from what I've watched of him. I don't watch a lot of Hawks games, but I do know him from college and right. just from what I've seen from him when he is healthy. Because last year, the season prior, he was banged up a lot, so he didn't do much. But when the guy is healthy, man, he's he's a stud. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, any team can use that. I would guy's say Celtics. Talent. You got to throw the Celtics in there too because they lack in size. Yeah. They could really use somebody that can spread the floor. I mean, the Clippers could definitely. Size. The Clippers could definitely if they want to. The Clippers have been balling if they want to add to that, yeah. that repertoire and throw another young talent in there that has a lot to prove and a fiery guy at that. That'd be a great addition for any team, man. Yeah, but the Celtics would be. That's a good call, too. The Celtics need another uh, very versatile big to add to that. Because they have none. <laughs> yeah. They have no versatile bigs er, at Ernest, all. Ernest Can- or Ernest Kenner is with the Tice, Blazers now. Is it, is it Tice? You got Tristan Thompson. Yeah. Who's been actually been playing fairly well. I mean, we don't know what hand he is. Yeah. Is he left? Is he yeah. right? He's just being one. That's how Chloe. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and there's our pop culture reference of the night. <laughs> yeah, any team can use that guy's talent, man. I'm a, I'm a fan, so. All right. Uh, now moving on to the NFL. Uh, I was uh, was it this morning? It was around noon when we were watching uh, Nick Wright on TV. Uh, so my question is. Will we ever see a four – or I don't know if it's happened before, but will we see a four-team trade in the NFL like Nick Wright suggested today? Uh, I, I do think those days are coming. I, I don't think they're right now, though. The NFL has always been the league where there's been more team and coaching control than other leagues. You've seen the NBA just basically flourish with player movement and player mobility and player control. Um, that is coming to the NFL. That is coming, and it's coming swiftly. I don't think we're there yet. 
I don't see 14 trades like you see in the NBA right now. Yeah. Um, cap structure is going to be a big thing because in the NBA, you know, there's a cap, but there's really not a cap. You know, you get your luxury taxes and you, you know, kind of just do what you want to do and you just pay whatever you want to pay. In the NFL, it's, it's a lot different. You, there is funny money, obviously, in the, in, in, the, in the NFL, but when you get a guy like Deshaun Watson and he just signs a deal last offseason, it's not just that simple where you can just trade him off. There's a lot of money involved with guarantees and things of that nature that teams have to consider. So when you talk about 14 trades in the NFL, the money's got to be precise in those moments. They really do. Because if you trade Russell Wilson to a team that only has $10 million in cap, they're going to have to cut even more players than they traded to make sense with their contracts. And then they're going to have to talk about restructuring and extending him. There's a lot of motions. It is not just that simple. I, I liked Nick's uh, take on that. I, th- I think it makes sense for a lot of the other parties. For me, though, why in the world, just a side note, why in the world would Russell Wilson, to, to Nick's point, agree with his no-trade clause to go to the Jets? Like, that would be a horrible move for yeah. Russ. Because, see how they just won the division. They just won the NFC West. Yeah. So, as, as, as frustrated as Russ is, and I get why he is, going to the Jets is not a lateral move. That's a backwards move. I don't move. think Russ really wants out. No, I, he's I, trying to I start, do. I actually do think he wants out. I think out. he's just trying to stir the pot so they can get done what he needs to get done. Dude, he's proven he's he's the guy there. To that point, he's though, Trevor, there. Russ has always been the guy that toes the line. He's always been the guy that is mm. team first and you know never calls anything out. He's never been controversial in anything he's ever said in his NFL career. Sure. Now all of a sudden he's going on Dan Patrick talking about he wants you know a say in, in what personnel moves they make and he thinks he needs to be and everything he's saying. Well, is he's, reaching, he's reaching that time in his life where he's not a kid anymore. He's improved, right. he's a proven commodity and he's a champion. And have the Seahawks peaked? And has he does he know that? Has he peaked? Shit, that's the I, question. Because that's a fair assessment. That's a fair question. Right, right. Uh, has this relationship peaked? That's this, the question you have to ask. And if it has, and the Seahawks are not pissed at him, they're legitimately pissed. And reports confirm the Seahawks are not happy with him saying the things he's been saying. Good. Now do something. So make something happen. Make your superstar happy. Right. Yeah. Either make him happy or get his ass out of town and trade him for as much assets as possibly be the can. Biggest mistake of their entire franchise. I would 100 percent agree with you. If they trade <laughs> Russell Wilson, talent, that is the stupidest move their franchise of has ever course. made. Of course, stupidest move they've especially ever made. those two receivers you got that you can play with. Anyways, yeah. the the trade the uh, situation, I definitely can think can see it happening moving forward because of the the change of the culture of the NFL. It's becoming more NBA kind of you know. It's where where players are starting to have more of a say so. Whether the ownership likes it or not, the star talent when they speak out and they force their way and they use their leverage and they're they're the ones putting asses in the seats. It changes the whole entire dynamic of sports, and this is the way it should be because if you're the product, what you're not owned. They don't own you. You're an individual. Yeah. You can anytime these guys can walk away from the game if they really wanted to. So if they want to walk away and go to another team. That that is that's why the Texans have to trade Deshaun Watson. There's always there's always there's always ins and outs to these contracts and these the. There's been a slave drive, slave driven, slave master mentality in the NFL for damn near since the beginning of it. So, the 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 culture of the NFL is definitely starting to swing more towards the way of the NBA, and the NBA has been nothing but more successful since that's, since that's happened, right? So, I mean, if the NBA has been flourishing since that became became more player central, the NFL I think is going to follow suit. And I don't think they have a choice. They don't. Yeah. Like, what are they going to do? Rage against the machine, the machine that runs your I mean, money. Look, like, yeah, look at the look how the NBA has flourished since the, the players became more mar- self marketed. 
They brought so much more money to the NBA. And that's considering a pandemic and racial injustice movements right. and all these other things oh, in yeah. the mix. The money that brings into yeah, dude. Still flourishing, the NFL, dude. Yeah, the NFL just adapts that mentality. Yeah. It's it's only good for the league, yep. man. Yeah. All right. Next question. Should Aaron Rodgers stay in Green Bay? Should he or will he? I'm going to say that personally, you guys you guys remember I said a couple weeks ago, I thought that he should get traded to the Rams. I, I want to see – selfishly, I want to see what Aaron Rodgers could do outside of Green Bay because in many aspects, in many respects, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is bigger than Green Bay. I feel like his brand, his, his skill set, quite frankly, I don't feel like the Packers deserve him. They have not taken his career seriously in a lot of ways. Now, they have gotten him pieces. Let's not pretend like they haven't hit in the draft. Let's not pretend like they didn't go get Charles Woodson 10 years ago. You know, they, they, they've done things. When they did that, they want to chip. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like the, the Packers have done enough. They're never all in, though. Yeah. Outside of that one year, and they were all in, and they won you, it. You want to talk about NBA culture and, and the differences between NFL and NBA culture? Look, Go look at the Packers. They are the definition of behind and it's outdated. Archaic. It's an archaic yes. mind of way of going. They don't even yeah. have an actual owner. That's a problem <laughs> for me. Like, you want to have representation at brass, and they don't. You can't name a single person at the ownership level, and they have majority shareholders, yeah. and you don't know who they are. Yeah. Like, you know teams. You know Clark Hunt. You know Jerry Jones. You know these other names throughout the league. It's almost like high school football. Like there's the boosters, Rudy family. Boosters. Yeah. yeah. It's a very weird thing they have up there, and quite frankly – the Packers, without Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers over the last 30 years, are the Browns of the NFC if they don't have those guys. Yep. They have been fortunate to have two <laughs> of the 10 greatest quarterbacks to ever live in succession. So to answer your question as, as, as honestly as I can, I would have selfishly have loved to see the Rams or the 49ers trade for Aaron Rodgers, but will he be a Packer? He is 100% going to be with the Packers next season because he's he just won MVP. And now they're hamstrung because now they have to they have to give him an extension. That's the only way this thing's going to work out yeah, because he's, ne- he's already vocalized. That. Yeah, he's already he's already come out. And what are the fans going? Who are the who are the fans going to side with? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, of course. It's him. It's that's who they love. That's, that's who goat. they adore. Yeah, yeah. They're Packers fans, sure. But with to the point we just talked about with culture changing, fans are going to start attaching themselves more to the players than the team. That's how it goes. Look at Trevor. That's not how it's been for the, most of the time. But but it's now it's more of a normalized thing. I'm saying for fans, yeah. most of the time fans are backing the player because sure. they're they're attached to that player. But in the NFL, it's been a little different with fans because they're like, well, I'm a, I'm a Chiefs fan no matter what. Yeah. But if Patrick Mahomes was to get traded or left somewhere oh. in ten years, yeah. are we not still following Patrick Mahomes as fans? Of course. It's just like with LeBron James. I mean, I, I'm I, not a loyal fan of the team he plays for. I'm a fan of where I mean, LeBron my love plays. For, my love for Aaron Rodgers was birthed in Green Bay. I'm right. a Kansas City fan, but, like, I've always had love for Aaron Rodgers. But, yeah, I mean, I, I felt I wanted Aaron Rodgers, and I vocalized this last last year on the podcast, that I wanted Aaron Rod- or this past draft, I wanted Aaron Rodgers to leave this past offseason after they drafted his replacement. I'm not even going to name him because he's not worthy. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I felt that was disrespectful. I don't feel like he was ready to be replaced yet, and I don't feel like – it was going to be multiple years before that kid was ever even going to take his spot because we all know he's not as long as Aaron Rodgers is there, at least for the next few years, and especially with the season he just it's had. Not slowing down. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So I, I 100% <laughs> still want him to leave because I love him and I want to see see him succeed. Um, it's not happening. Yeah, I mean, I would love this. I would love to see him go to San Fran. That'd be a fun show. Oh yes. Um, but I, at the same time, I know he has a great connection with Demonte Adams. They they're they're unstoppable for the most part. Um, one of the best duos this past couple seasons uh, by far. But 
for Aaron Rodgers' sake, man, me as a fan of Aaron Rodgers as the individual and the player and the talent that he is, I definitely want to see him go elsewhere and have because I mean, he he could have success, and I think he will be great this next season if he stays with the Packers. His number is going to be great. They're probably going to win ten to twelve games again. They probably they could probably win that division still. It's going to be more competitive this year with Stafford in the NFC, um, but. Or not in the NFC. He's been in the NFC, but with, on a with, team with him, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess um, it just seems like he was never really there. Um, oh, I can't wait for that. Yeah, it's gonna be fun, man. Um, but I, I still want Aaron Rodgers to move. Um, I don't think he will. I do inevitably. I, I do at the end of it. I just, I still think he'll be Green Bay because he's he's loyal man to a fault. Sometimes he's a very loyal guy. Did you guys see that? It was confirmed he was the one in the back of that truck with the Bud yeah, Lights. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you, dude. That that's was like, 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 like was driving him? the truck. It yeah. was legit like Aaron Rodgers. He's, yeah, he he's such a bro. Man. Like that's that's what I'm saying. He's like, he's, he's yeah. California cool, but he has Green Bay. <laughs> he's like, a bro. Dude. He's been there forever. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. So there's 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 a, there's attachment. I do believe that Aaron to his core wants to stay in Green Bay. Yeah, I think he wants to succeed there. He wants to bring another ring there. Yeah, I really believe he wants to be there. But he need other. They need more talent there, man. When Ted Thompson left. And they got a new GM, and their whole mentality before was just homegrown, homegrown, don't get free agents. That fucked them over for years. Yeah. And you saw why they – everyone wants to blame Aaron Rodgers for all these fails, uh, failures in the in the, pro, in the playoffs. How much he's done with so much – If it's so not for time. him, yeah. you're not there. Right. He carried – he covered up so much I mean, shit. How many miracle throws we've seen over his career? Yeah, he, he's covered up so many fucking <laughs> – The greatest Hail Mary roster. artist of all time. It, 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 yeah. Yes, this offseason they need to be aggressive. Go and get him some free agents, man. Yeah. And there's plenty out there. Holy shit, there's some – Take care of my All guy. over the board, man. Jesus, so Jordan's all a lot of love, huh? <laughs> he ain't, ain't going to sniff the field until, unless Aaron Rodgers gets knocked out. Aaron Rodgers could legitimately play for another three or four years. Absolutely, he will. I mean, think about that. Jordan Love's never going to see the field if he says, nope, I'm staying in Green Bay, you're giving me an extension, I want to play another five seasons. Are the Packers really going to say no? Well, the P- Think about the PR backlash, no. what the fans would say, man. And they run that shit, literally. Yeah. Fans own that team. So you want to talk about a backfire, bro. You trade Aaron Rodgers when he just won an MVP or at worst next season throws for 37, 38 touchdowns and you're back in the NFC Championship for the third straight season? He'll be yeah, in, good he'll, luck. He'll be in Green Bay. He's 100% staying in Green Bay. All right, my last question for you guys. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw the news earlier today. Uh, I want to get your reactions on uh, J.J. Watt. I am so happy for J.J. Watt. I mean, I literally felt like a weight lift off my shoulders for him. Because that guy, for ten seasons, has carried a, a franchise that otherwise would have just would have, would have been one of the worst franchises in football. And you're seeing that now. You're seeing the repercussions of decision makings and who they have in, pl- in places of power. JJ Watt overcame a lot of that. Bill O'Brien has been his coach for the majority of his career, and to be able to be successful with Bill O'Brien as your head coach is definitely saying something. <laughs> and the greats that they've wasted in Houston. JJ being one of them, unfortunately, all time great defensive player. To see him, yeah, to see him still in his early thirties and with with plenty of juice left, if he wants to keep playing, he's going to keep playing. I believe he can play another three or four seasons at a decent level. Really good in red and gold, man. Yeah, well, yeah, we can talk about that if we want to. But just just the reaction, my initial reaction, I think it was no surprise. I think in Houston, everyone knew it was coming because he's you know it was a cap casualty. He was going to cost them almost eighteen million dollars on cap hits alone. So they had to make this decision. They had to go this route. For sure. But for J.J., it gives him a legitimate chance to finally get an opportunity to contend. Because the Texans have never really been a legitimate contender. They've been a playoff team, but no one ever really looked at them and said, oh, that team can win the Super Bowl. The Texans drafted DeAndre Hopkins, 
J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson. They had him on the same team for multiple years, and they never went to an AFC Championship game. That's just crazy. That's bullshit, dude. It's if I was crazy. a Texans fan, I had that much talent on all um, – that, that's just, and not that's, just that. so hard to take. They man. had one playoff win. Yeah. It isn't that they just going to get to an AFC Championship. They got one playoff win. Yeah, man. So – it, it, for me, like I said, I felt such a relief for him. No matter where he goes, I'm happy for him. Safe travels. I'm just glad he got the fuck out of Houston, man. Because Houston, we do have a problem, yeah, and Deshaun, it's you. Deshaun's next. I mean, he's 100. Yeah, this is gonna this is this 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 is gonna crumble, man. It's 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 all it's all crumbling apart. I think, and we've seen he came out with his live stream talking about you know it, it pretty much summed it up that he himself wanted out of that yep. situation um, and for JJ to get there one of the most class act dudes we've ever seen in this league um, as far as what he does on the field how he you know portrays himself on and off the field and what he is how, what he is as a humanitarian as well it's a great person overall so for him to get to that point you that's know a it's bad that's <laughs> a bad situation bad. over there man and, and him being you know who he is and Texas football you know for you to want to leave that that's the mecca of football, man. For you to want to leave Texas playing Texas football, regardless if the team's great or not, just it's it's bad over there. That's the worst position to be in football. The worst place to play football right now is the Texans. Um, yeah, man, I, he's he's already got a hot. He's a hot commodity right now. I know the Steelers and numerous teams, Panthers, I believe, a lot of the Bears, I think, are in on him too. Um, there's a lot. Yeah, There's-ers everyone's gonna everyone's gonna want to dip their Watt. toe in that JJ yeah. Watt water. So I think you know. Yeah, man, I would love to. I, I, does he, can he play left guard or left tackle? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I would take him, man. I want to just to have that guy in my locker room in Kansas City. That's that's the biggest a thing. Market, dude. A marketability, just having giant. that presence. Yeah, just like Terrell Suggs. I mean, yeah. I know Terrell Suggs is who he was, Hall of Fame talent. Also, obviously, they're two different ages at this at the point. If we did sign him at this point, but just having that that dominant presence of a true winner at heart, regardless of his resume has it on there or not, but the true winner at heart and a guy that's just. Nuts to the wall, he, kind of player. and he plays a position the Chiefs need. Oh, dude, you that, get him on a one year, fourteen million dollar deal. Him, and Chris, him and Chris Jones on the defensive line. Oh my god, that would. I mean, oh, dude, that, that's think about it. I mean, the we got to throw a bone his way. The comparison is Demarcus Ware going on going to the Broncos, the Broncos late in his man. career. You're thinking, oh, he's done. Showed out. He ended up playing three more seasons got with the Broncos. At, at the the secondary piece to Von Miller, prime Von Miller. They won a title, and Demarcus Ware was a legitimate contributor That's to that. That's still in his mid thirties. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if JJ Watt goes to a contender, I one hundred percent believe that dude's going to help lead that team. Oh, far you know, into you the know how much juice he's going to have if he goes onto a contender. How much extra juice he's going to have from what he's been yeah. dealing with for his whole career? And he has options. Like he can go back home. That can, to reju- play for the that Packers. can rejuvenate your entire. He can go career, play for man. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's yeah. still a good team. Oh, playing alongside his brother would be huge. He'd come to Kansas City. Yeah. I know the Chiefs would welcome him, and that would only further the Chiefs. Having him in his community in KC would be awesome. Yeah, he, would, he would love it here for sure. So I'm happy for him. Yeah. Beyond happy for him. He deserves out. this. Deshaun's next. 100. percent Yeah, that's it. Good Eddie Hour. Good, good Eddie Hour. We're gonna keep this thing rolling, guys. We need to get to what. We don't really want to talk about it. we got to talk about it. We have to embrace I'm what out. took place on Sunday. Chiefs-Buccaneers. Chiefs took that L. But we're not going to just dwell on it. We're going to talk about how the Chiefs can get back to it. This is officially Take It Back, Volume 1. We're going to give you guys a, a few free agent moves that I want to see the Chiefs do. I want to see uh, and also break down a few moves that the Chiefs can make within their own personnel and how they can free up some cap space. We'll get back to that after this.
Midcoast Modern is a Kansas City focus on modern, handmade, and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. So we have to we have to get it out. We have to we have to bra- embrace what happened. Um, in case you missed it, the, the Chiefs got their asses handed to them last Sunday in Super Bowl 55. Now, we can sit here and break down what took place in that game, but I think that we all kind of know what took place. It's uh, pretty uh, self-explanatory. The Chiefs had two weeks to prepare for one of the best, if not the best, front seven defensively in the NFL and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Chiefs went out there, looked completely unprepared, looked uh, lost at times offensively, did not execute, definitely didn't give Patrick Holmes any time to really develop a rhythm offensively did not get chances really to build on any type of drives, any type of momentum offensively. And in a nutshell, that game was not enjoyable at all. Uh, there were moments where it could have really been, uh, you know, a momentum shifting type of game for the chiefs. There was an interception that Tyron Matthew could have gotten, but this is also where the the officiating really came into play. And I, I'm not going to be one of the guys that, that, that tries to sit here and say the chiefs lost this game because the, the, the officiating even though the officiating was straight up ass, um, there was a lot of play that the Chiefs could have made. A lot of a lot of differences the Chiefs could have came in that game with. A lot of adjustments that Andy Reid could have come in with that he didn't come in with, knowing good and well that he had a revolving door at offense at the offensive line. They they made no adjustments during the game, and uh, it was a, a very frustrating four quarters of football. To see Patrick Mahomes is out there, out there running literally for his life, let alone trying to make a play with the Chiefs dropping multiple touchdowns when he got the ball uh, to the to the receivers in the end zone. I mean, we we have a still frame of Patrick Mahomes that's gone all over the internet of him literally vertical or I'm sorry horizontal yeah. throwing the ball 30 yards in the air on the money to Daryl Williams that hits him right in the face mask. It's just like I said, we can we can sit here and we can relish on it and we can just sit here and be depressed about it. But the fact remains, the Chiefs got outclassed. They got their asses handed to them, and the Buccaneers deserve every bit of that championship. As much as it sucks to say, we were one hundred percent wrong. I thought the Chiefs were going to go in there prepared, ready to go, motivated, driven to beat that team, and we didn't see that. And so that's what happens when you go in there and you don't do your job. Along with the fact that the officials are just fucking horrible. I mean, there was just so many bad calls. It, it, the Chiefs just – drives were killed. Turnovers were taken away. Zero momentum. You, you can't win that way, guys. Yeah. And so it sucks. But uh, we are here actually to bring some light to all of this because – and I don't feel like we really need to, to say that because, guys, the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl back-to-back years. Right. And the year before that, they were in the AFC Championship in overtime. Things have been really good here in Kansas City. So let's not – Let's not sit here and act as if like things are just horrible. They're going to continue. Oh my god, it's the end. No, things are just getting popping, guys. It's just starting to pop off. Like we are really getting to a place where this is going to be the normalcy. 
And I, I don't say that arrogantly. I say that confidently. Yep. And I made a post that night after the Super Bowl was over. That Think about where we're at, man. Like, we are in a place where this is the new standard. The Chiefs are in a, the Chiefs fans, the, the, our fan base, now has an expectation to be right where we were. Whether the result is what it is or not, or it's another result, and it's, that's the result we were hoping for is the win. But we've now experienced both the wins and the losses in the, at the Super Bowl level, the highs and the lows. But regardless of what the outcome is, this is now our new normal as Chiefs fans. As long as Patrick Mahomes is who Patrick Mahomes is, as long as Andy Reid is our head coach, because more times than not, he's going to have his team prepared and ready to go in the playoffs. As long as those two guys are here, the Chiefs are going to be in this position to get to where they're at. But I don't want to oversimplify it at the same time. There are moves the Chiefs are going to have to make this offseason just like they have to in any other offseason. This time around, though, because last offseason the Chiefs were not aggressive. They were not aggressive at all this last offseason. That's got to change. And I'm going to tell you guys real quick before I get to my breakdown as to why I am so excited as a Chiefs fan for the Take It Back Tour. We just got off the Run It Back Tour. It's now the Take It Back Tour. Going into the 2018 season, Patrick Mahomes was going to take over as the Chiefs quarterback. The Chiefs knew they needed to give him as many weapons as possible. So what did they go and do? They went and signed Sammy Watkins. They overspent for him, but they went and got themselves a 25-year-old stud wide receiver that would be a wide receiver one on any team. Ended up being the third receiver on this team. Paid off in a big moment. Big moments. In the playoffs, big times. Back-to-back years. Yep. Okay? So they got aggressive at the right time, and they said, we need to make some moves. They went and got a new defensive coordinator. They went and got a bunch of new defensive players after the 2018 season when they almost got to the Super Bowl but couldn't get there because the defense was terrible. Mm -hmm. Traded off D. Ford for a pick. Went and got Tyron Matthew. Went and got Frank Clark. Went and got Steve Spagnuolo. Changed up the entire scheme defensively. Chiefs go and win a Super Bowl that next season. Chiefs get to the Super Bowl again in 2020. But with a revolving door and all the injuries on the offensive side, along with the opt-outs, the Chiefs now know they got to get aggressive again. Mm -hmm. So this is why I'm so excited because it isn't just because of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the and the, the core pieces the Chiefs very much have. Tyree Kill's just now entering his prime. Travis Kelsey, for some reason, doesn't age. Um, the, the Chiefs have an incredibly talented defense, even though they have their holes. Legereus Seed is an absolute quarterback one. Uh, Tyron Matthews going nowhere, and they're going to they're gonna we're gonna figure all that out with him. Mm-hmm. Chris Jones did not play well in the Super Bowl. Still one of the best pass rushers in the entire NFL. We can go down the list here. The point is, the Chiefs know what they got to do in this offseason. And I trust they're going to do what they need to do because they've been doing it over the last two, three offseasons. So let's get this started, guys. How do the Chiefs build a Super Bowl-worthy Bowl team in 2021? They currently sit $17 million over the cap. It's not good. you got to you know figure some stuff out on how to get under the cap. But these next few moves I'd like to see the Chiefs make will get them very much under the cap, so much so that they'll be able to not only afford all of their draft picks, which is a big thing. Sometimes you can't afford all your draft picks, but a couple big-time free agents that I'm going to name as well, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this as well. And if you guys have names, make sure and drop them. So my first move, and it's the easiest one of them all, you got to convert Patrick Mahomes' roster bonus to signing bonus money. That move alone would negate all $17 million that they're over the cap right now. It literally would give them $17 million in cap relief. So they have to make that move. It, it hurts Patrick Mahomes' contract none. It doesn't take away any money. It doesn't do anything. All you're literally doing is moving it from one bag to the next, and it just benefits the team and helps with cap relief. you got to do that. They're 100% making that move. 
No, move number two. This one is just as common sense as the, as the first one. You have to extend Tyron Matthew. It is a slam dunk move. Tyron no, Matthew is not only, in my opinion, a top 10 defender in this league currently who's in his prime. He's just turning 28 years old. He's got one year left on his deal. His cap hit right now would sit at $19 million. You can't have that let that sit out. What you have to do is you would uh, you have to extend him by three years, which would branch out that that contract, though, that hit, by $5 million every single year. It's more than just his impact on the field, though. It's the, the, his, 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 his culture that he's brought to this team. 100%. That's, that's what I'm saying. Once, once we replaced Eric Berry with him, the entire culture of our defensive locker room changed. The mentality changed. 100%. So that's what makes him that even that much more valuable. Yes, you spread, but just from a cap perspective alone, let alone the player, you're right. Yeah. He's a, he, to me, he's a he's going to be a Hall of Fame player in the NFL Without when, a doubt. when this is all said and done. Yeah. Uh, making the ring of honor, all that stuff. But you spread out his money and you keep him for a multitude of years, you're benefiting in every regard. You're opening up even more money. So at least $5 million in cap space right there. So you got $22 million that you just opened up for the Chiefs. So you're sitting at $5 million right now. You negated the 17 with Patrick Mahomes. You got about $5 million off Tyron Matthew. Number three, as much as I love Mitchell Schwartz, it sounds like, at least right now, he is going to retire. That's how it sounds. He made some vague posts on Instagram and this and that about how his body wasn't right and all these Back things. Back issues are a big deal. It, it really yeah. does sound. And just from everybody I've talked to, everyone's leaning to he's going to retire. Now, um, when he's healthy, he's the best right tackle in the NFL, in my opinion. But he hasn't been healthy since September, and I don't think he'll ever be healthy again. Like Trevor said, back yeah, issues are a real thing, especially yeah. for big guys. Well, it could get worse from that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, retiring, Mitchell Schwartz retiring would save the Chiefs over $10 million in cap space. So you're talking about going from $5 million to $15 million in cap space right there. Yeah. Um, now, if the Chiefs just straight up cut Mitchell, they would save around $6 million. And if he plays, he makes $6 million. So it would be, the, it would be in the be- Chiefs' best interest – if Mitchell Schwartz either retires straight up or plays, and I'm hoping for either one. I if we find out Mitchell Schwartz is healthy enough to play, oh, oh yeah, my yeah. god, we'd rather have a healthy Schwartzy out there. Oh my no god, doubt. that would that would that would save so much stress, and that would add just to the depth because then you could move Lucas Niang to a guard. Right. At the same you time, you're going to be a worried wreck having him out there if he's going to get hurt again. I'm too, just saying, if, he's, if, if he yeah. passes, if he clears, yeah, yeah, yeah. if he clears medically, the and they say back. his his back's good, and then you get, oh. you're bringing back LDT too. Yeah, yeah so. and you get Mitchell Schwartz on six million dollars, the best right tackle in football, six million dollars. Yeah, sign me up. But if he retires, yeah. He's saving you $10 million. So either way, it's going to benefit the Chiefs. And the fourth one, uh, the the move that I have, look, a player that the Chiefs should cut, and I hate, I know this is not a popular opinion, they have to find a way to do this. I I really think it's time for the Chiefs to part ways with Eric Fisher. Now, look, I know he was Andy Reid's first pick as the Chiefs head coach back in 2013. Mm Mm-hmm. But he just tore his Achilles, which means he's going to miss at least all of next season. I mean, guys, Kevin Durant just tore his Achilles two years ago, right? Yeah. It took him eighteen months to get back, and that dude doesn't weigh two hundred pounds. Okay, Eric Fisher is six foot seven, three hundred thirty pounds. That is a big man, and everything is based on pivoting and pressure and moving your big body, big frame, left to right, right to oh, left, and- forward and backwards, forward and backwards. He's not going to play for at least another season. And after that kind of injury, at the same time, like how, like how, like how much does it mess with his mindset? Right. Like how much pressure? The like you know, like is he going to be uh, fearful of his Achilles tearing right. again? Possibly. Right. I feel. I, I. You can read. Into, he's I, not I, think young I would, either. I would read into more of that if he was like a skill player, skill position player. But linemen are just different breeds, bro. Linemen. 
<laughs> We've seen guys completely sprain the shit out of their ankle and just wrap that shit up and get back out there. Eric Fisher's a tough SOB, but regardless see, of what we thought about him over his career. He's, like he's been Chief, Iron Man. Bro. What I would like the Chiefs to do is, uh, I, I know you were mentioning uh, cutting Eric Fisher. Yeah, get him out, and then the Chiefs being like... Uh, we need to part ways with him. I, yeah, I agree with that. And the sure. Chiefs being aggressive this season. And yeah. if they want to be aggressive, they have to... They, ha- they could... Uh, trade for uh, Orlando Brown from yeah. from the Ravens. I'm that would it. be the that would be the or Trent Brown. Yeah, yeah, that would be uh, the move that the Chiefs had to make in order to make that uh, you know that uh, oh, fuck, I lost the word. The uh, <laughs> aggressive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would make them aggressive. And that would make you know. And we've been protecting but Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Over and he so. and he stated that if he gets traded to that because he wants to get traded, if he goes to a new team. He said he wants to play left tackle. Yeah, oh, and there, that, that would replace yeah. that would replace Eric Fisher. Yeah, I mean, if there's anything I'm putting my money on, bro, it's we're completely going to be balls to the wall aggressive on this offensive line this offseason. We have to. Now, we it, have to go Veach draft. Be, you already know Beach is going. He's already after the probably before the Super Bowl even happened. He was on the phone with people trying to you know work things and get things going. And and you know I, that's just without a doubt, Eric Fisher probably should go after a major injury like that. I, I still think he's going. He could be a solid player for the rest of his career wherever he ends up. Um, but you, like you said, it's going to be another yeah, it's a twelve month deal. Yeah, he'll be at least thirty two by the time he, he comes won't be back. coming back till twenty twenty two. Which is right. still fairly young. That's not old for but a lineman. Having lineman that time playing. off with a severe leg injury, no, no, yeah, at yeah, the yeah. position, I, at, I'm on board with getting rid yeah, of. Him. Yeah, we I, have to move on. I think it's time it, to it's cut. Time. And, and the Chiefs would save around twelve million dollars yeah, he's, he's, if they cut. He's Eric been Fisher. a wealthy man. Yeah, so I, you're opening up a lot of cap space, and I think at this time and place, the cap space means more. Then Eric Fisher trying to recover at that time. You keep yeah. him on the IR. Yeah, we need to some more. We, yeah, I, want, I want a bigger left left tackle, a, a, a more youthful, bigger young guy. And, and the biggest, yes, I 100 percent agree. Yeah. The biggest thing about it is, is that also he's this is his last year on his deal. Yeah. You're not talking about a guy that's it's signed until 2024. Yeah. If he was if he was on on contract for another three years, you really can't get out of it. The Chiefs have he literally has one year left, and he's not playing that year. Cut ties while yep. you still can. To your Orlando Brown move, I would love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's only what twenty six, and he's a freak athlete. He's a freak athlete, unbelievably and talented. Said, like I said, yeah. he stated that he wants to play left tackle. The problem, yeah. though, and the reason why I don't see that ever happening, it's simple: the Ravens the want to beat the Chiefs. Yeah. Why in the world would they trade him, right. Orlando Brown, one of the best left tackles in football, to their ultimate competitor? And yeah. You're talking. How much would the Chiefs have to give up? I, I think we're going to draft a left tackle. I think that's what's going to end up ultimately. Have, I, oh my there's God, be, there's a there's lot a of way, good, dude. There's a lot of good talent that's right. Oh, if you UFC, be a UFC player, oh Alabama player. Like, yeah. there's a lot. I of want guys. a monster, dude. And we're going to talk about the draft as the time yeah, goes yeah. on. So the yeah. Chiefs, in order to be aggressive in the offensive line, they either have to trade up in the draft yeah. or trade for for Brown. We're going to get to that. Look how important. Look how much it worked out for the Bucks, man. They invested in that line for Tom Brady. You know, you give Pat that kind of time. Now here's here's another move and. Maybe you guys will agree or disagree, and we can go into another segment if we have to if the time runs out on this segment. But I think the Chiefs need to trade Frank Clark. I really do. And the reason why oh, it's possible – well, think about me. this. It's think hard. about this. It's hard. There's a couple scenarios here. I don't know if anyone's going to buy into that contract. There's a couple scenarios. Well, that, that's actually crazy. It's funny you say that because according to Tom Pelissero and uh, Jeff Darlington and several other reporters, the market for guys like Frank Clark is actually very big. He's still in his mid-20s. He's been very big in the playoffs, which teams look at. I'm to Frank, man. I get it. I get it. I think this is a necessary evil, though, for the Chiefs because of the reason why. His cap numbers are only going to go up. As it currently stands, he would not only be the number one paid player on the Chiefs as far as most expensive player, the number three defensive player in the league. Yeah. 
Frank Clark is not anywhere close to the third best defensive player in the league, and he's not the, the number one player on the Chiefs without question. So for me, you have two options here. Either Frank Clark agrees to a substantial restructure where they push all that money back to the end of the contract, which he'll never see because he'll be 31 at the end of this contract. Yeah. Or you say, okay, we got to cut you or we got to trade you. No, they won't cut him because he's got way too much him, money. Yeah. But you have to figure out a trade partner. And at that point, you're just looking for whatever you can get. And, I mean, the Texans just lost uh, J.J. Watt, so the man, 20, they, yeah. they might want to star in there. That's, and the that's, next that's, team, that's the next team, they would let's say they would trade Frank Clark, the incentive is – Again, he's been very effective in the postseason, so maybe a contender would want to spend a little money on him and trade for him. If they don't like what they get out of Frank Clark, you have a potential out in 2022, which is only a season after next season, where you only have a dead cap of $12 million. So if you're willing to spend that money for basically a rental of Frank Clark to see, my team's not far away. And if the 49ers, let's say they have to trade Nick Bosa to get Deshaun Watson, and they know that they can go and try to trade for Frank Clark and only give up maybe a couple picks to the Chiefs across to another conference. I swear to God, if that happens. I'm think slapping, about it. Slapping. And the Chiefs and the 49ers have been known to make trades throughout That's the years. That's actually a brilliant idea. That's, yeah. This is just the, some theories I've come up with. Bosa would More be likely, the Chiefs are going to restructure Frank Clark. That's what's going to end up probably happening. He's going to bring his cap hit down so the Chiefs can open up some cap. I mean, yeah, you can't deny the, the lack of – Production he had this year, was, he was a massive step back. So uh, I, I just love him as an individual. I love his personality. I love what he brings to the team. Sure. But yeah, I mean, you can't deny the the, the step back of his a, production. It was a year. bad season for him. Yep. A bad season. Yeah, he just wasn't getting there, man. So real quick, what are you, what are your guys' overall takeaways on these four moves that I came up with? I do you like have, them. Do you, I do like them. Is there any opposition to this? Because I know you're a Frank Clark guy, Trevor, yeah. but I think that in this business, man, I was have, pounding the table for him to get it. You're trying to build him. a dynasty. You yeah. have to make some pretty shitty moves, and you want to get out a year before rather than a year and, late. I mean, if you let's say you the get you, way. let's, let's yeah. say you trade away Frank Clark, you can you can potentially bring JJ Watt and possibly get uh, slightly better numbers than well, Frank JJ Clark. Watt's by far one of the more tech, technically sound player. I mean, Frank Clark's just. Younger and, more and you'll probably you'll probably get it for cheaper than Frank Clark. So no I mean, if if the Chiefs were to trade Frank Clark, I would I would uh, be aggressive and go for for JJ. For me, man, with the the, the players you've laid out and the the, the ideas, I have, for me personally, I have such tunnel vision right now just for the O line, just because we're so fresh off that game. <laughs> I just do. I don't care. Even if they get rid of Frank Clark, I trust him to take care of all that shit. I think our defense is going to be fine. Yeah. Um. We'll find guys to get pressure, even if Frank Clark is out, or if we restructure his contract. I would love to keep him here. I really would. I think he can still become something special here. He was really good year one. Yeah, I think he could build off this lackluster year this did just pass. But this O line is just it has all of my focus. I don't care what it we do. It has to be the Chiefs. I don't care. One I don't focus. care if our first three picks picks in the draft are offensive linemen. I don't care if we go I'll guard. I don't care if we go left tackle guard guard. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Protect Pat at all costs. That is the goal for this offseason. I don't really care outside of that. If you want to go get another tight end in the fifth, sixth, sixth, sixth round, fine. I don't, but I just all I care about. I don't care if we make moves in the in the free agency. Get whoever we can to protect Pat, and that's their goal, and that's the mindset they they bring to this team. That's all I care. I'm about. I'm so man. glad you brought that up because my next order of business and what I'm theorizing here and my moves, my offseason moves, is this: I have four potential free agents in mind that I want the Chiefs to go after. So with these four moves that I already laid out, let's say the Chiefs do exactly that. They would have a little over $30 million in cap space just on these four moves. Now, they're going to make other moves. 
You're going to see other guys, uh, you know, restructure their contracts to add caps cap relief. Maybe a Tyree Kill extension will help with cap relief. There's a lot of other moves the Chiefs can make, and we can go on this all night Travis long. Kelsey, Travis, yeah, you can do a restructure with Travis. You can restructure with Chris Jones. Granted, Travis hasn't nearly made there, the amount of money he should have oh, in his whole career. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and He's the and most underpaid even, superstar there, in the league. There's yeah, even yeah. theories I can give you guys on how the Chiefs, they wanted to trade Chris Jones, what they can get out of that, and you how much cash relief. shit time for Chris Oh, Jones. yeah. Oh, yeah. Team he wants yeah. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. The Chiefs are going to keep Chris Jones. I don't want Chris Jones going anywhere. I'm just saying there's other theories of how the Chiefs can get Yeah, I get it, but. I'm just going off that. Let's say these four moves will happen. They'll have over $30 million in cap to fuck with, right? Right. So my first order of business, I am 100% with Trevor on this. Brandon Scherf is my number oh, one free agent once in this entire offseason. Brandon Scherf, 28-year-old guard, been nothing short of an all-pro since he's been with Washington. He has been unbelievable. No real history of injury. He's been, like I said, doesn't give up sacks, plays every single game. He is an Iron Man. Yeah. I want Brandon Scherf. He his market value sits at around thirteen million dollars. Chiefs can absolutely afford that. You give him a five year, forty six million dollar deal. Sign me up all fucking day long. Yeah. All fucking day long. You got all the guaranteed money up front. So by the time he's thirty one years old, you can get out of the contract. Proven, Chiefs are famous for three year deals. Yeah, That's my number one. I think that is a slam dunk guard that the Chiefs can get, and he would sure up protect Patrick Mahomes up front. This free agency, this offseason, is going to have a fuck ton of, of talent on the and the skill positions. There are a lot of big Odell. time names: Allen Robinson, Odell all these other guys. Yeah, there are all these other free agents. Like Chris Godwin. Odell's not a, not a free agent, but Odell Beckham. There's been a lot of trade talks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring him up in just yeah, a second. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, uh, Juju Smith Schuster, Galladay, yep. uh, Marvin Jones. All these big names. There's one guy that not a lot of people are talking about that I think would fit this Chiefs offense perfectly. Tony Brown, too. Corey Davis. Right. 26 years old. You know me. I love that guy. Six foot two, yeah. 214 pounds. Runs like a gazelle, Stud. Too. He's everything the Chiefs wanted out of Sammy Watkins. But get this. You can get him at a market value of $9 million a year. Sammy Watkins was getting almost $20 million a year. You can get him at half the price. Always plays, always healthy. He's a young Des Bryant, dude. That's what he, he plays like. That's is what he everything the Chiefs need out of a wide receiver, too. Great in the red zone. I like that. Perfect, perfect fit. Bro, I'm, yeah, I'm all in on I'll that. I'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Now, now to Trevor, what Trevor just said, I love because if you can't get Corey Davis, I would love to see the Chiefs trade for Odell Beckham Jr. Because Odell's talking about playing with Brady. Fuck that. Third, <laughs> you, can get, you can get Odell right now yeah. for a couple mid-round picks. I would gladly give up oh. two-thirds for oh, Odell dude, Beckham Jr. I'm not, Oh my God! Do you imagine you get Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Odell Beckham Jr. on the same offense? Just the yards after the catch for all those three receivers. Even if he's not healthy, all sixteen games, you give right. me thirteen I mean, games. Shit. Yeah, we've had Sammy Watkins, <laughs> the corpse of Sammy Watkins, yeah. hanging out. Give me, give me twelve, thirteen games out of Odell Beckham as the third receiver on this offense. Yeah, yeah. sign me up. Yeah. Two more guys, and I know we got to take a break, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this as well. Defensively, there is a guy I really want, and he's not been as great as a lot of people thought he was going to be initially. But he's played a part, and he's still young. He's only 26 years old. I would love to see the Chiefs take a flyer on Solomon Thomas. Solomon Thomas, again, high pick out of San Francisco. There was a lot of people that were comparing him to big-time names like Ray Lewis and these other guys. We need linebackers, man. Yes. Yeah. 26 years old, and his market value right now sits at $6.5 million. I like it, yeah. Give me just a one-year deal with Solomon Thomas. Get him next to Willie Gay Jr. I would love to see them bring Anthony Hitchens or extend it. Oh, Anthony, Anthony Hitchens. He had his best we, season of his we career. Have to, yeah. You get Solomon Thomas on a one year, six, seven million dollar deal with 
low incentives, but coming low, from that culture, that low linebacker guarantee, room. Yes, yeah, the experience oh he has. Sign and again with the whole like I said, San Francisco to Kansas City, Kansas City to San Francisco thing. Right. it almost just feels right. You know what I mean? Like it almost <laughs> just feels like it has to happen. I would love to see them do that. One final guy, and I want this one so bad. Even though he's not in his prime anymore, he's still really, really good, and he would play a prime position for the Chiefs. You got to bring the brothers together, Jason Kelsey to Kansas City. Philadelphia is talking about cutting their cutting ties with Jason Kelsey. He's 32, soon to be 33 years old. So he's not going to be the great player he was three years ago. He is still one of the best centers in football. He's gritty as shit. And you bring the Kelsey brothers together. You yeah. want to talk about the Watt brothers? You want to talk about like the opportunities of that happening? Mm-hmm. What if the Kelsey brothers get to play together and get an opportunity to play and try to f- win, win a ring together? And how funny would it be? They're both sitting at one ring right oh, now. Dude. So you know the, the competitive nature because they kept talking about, Travis, you want that second ring while your brother's got one. If they get one together, they're going to keep talking about that. Like, oh, fuck, we're still tied. Yeah. And he again, you get him on just a one-year low-incentive deal – Plays an opportunity, gets an opportunity to retire as a chief with his brother. Gets to play yeah. a season with his brother, the maybe morale, two. The morale boost for and sure, he, and he fits. Like I said, he he would lock up. I know Austin Ritter was good. Jason Kelsey is borderline Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Shit, I don't his, know if you guys think about this. Speech alone is Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fucking yeah. epic. And this is if he's cut. This is again if he's if they cut if the Eagles, which it does sound yeah. like they're going to cut him yeah. to let him go out and explore. There's a lot of teams interested in him. For sure. Yes, I'm sure there's going to be plenty. Yeah. What do you guys think about those moves? I love it. Yeah. I love it. I mean, dude, I, I'm i fully expecting the Chiefs to make moves. You know, like, I, I, definitely linebacker on the defensive side. Because I think we're set pretty much everywhere else outside of maybe, you know, like you said, nabbing another outside linebacker, middle linebacker. Yeah. Definitely middle linebacker. I mean, I'm always wanting to get yeah, middle we need, linebackers. We need help with the, with the running game. With the, I'm very excited about the, the growth of That's what Willie Gay can become. It's, it's frustrating we didn't get to see Willie Gay, you know, get that chance to play yeah. in the Super Bowl, get that experience under his belt, win or, lo- win or lose. But he was gaining a man. I, 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 yeah. I mean, he was playing well. Um, I truly believe in Juan Thornhill taking the next step after he's had to, you know, because he was definitely trending upward the last few games of the year and leading into the postseason, playing well in the postseason for the most part. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love, I love those picks, especially like I said, the linebacker. Um, getting Solomon would be would be huge. Um, us, like you said, this the, the supply uh, between the two teams with the same front with the 49ers and the yeah. Chiefs. Uh, Back and forth there, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it makes a lot it. of sense. I mean, because the draft, we can talk about the draft. We're gonna have Kent, we're gonna have Kent Swanson, oh, we we're gonna have Craig Stout, all those guys shit. come on yeah. and break down who the Chiefs need to go after in the draft. But just in free agency alone, guys, like I said, you make a, a few moves, you open up all this cap space, and the Chiefs can go out and legitimately get some of these big time names. Now I know Dude. Matthew Judon and, and yeah. Al Robinson; those guys are gonna get paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. so you're not gonna go after those guys. But a lot of these dudes can get these mid level type contracts. I don't they know add so much. I don't know too many. I don't know the the free agency market for tight ends. Who's free agents? But I didn't know if like Hunter uh, Henry's out there. Is he a free agent? Okay, because yeah. I know yeah. he's probably gonna get paid somewhere. But I do think we need to get another skilled tight end and receiver. I think we have another skill tight end receiver to to not only you know rotate with Kelsey but be on the field at the same time do some more two tight end sets with two elite Kelsey will be thirty two next season. That's man. what I'm saying. We we do got to start thinking about yeah. that. Yeah, we, I mean we talked about that last. We, you know we wanted you know, another Patrick guy. loves tight ends. We got man. Ricky Seals uh, Jones or whatever. Um, he did, that didn't pan out. You know I was yeah. excited about that signing and that was weird. But yeah, I, I think tight end was also something we need to think about. You know, just in case I'm not trying to like wish it or, or, or you know jinx anything, but just in case you know Travis gets hurt or banged up or something, you know we need it. Because that the t- tight end is a huge part of this offense, yeah. you know. So we got to think about that. And the replacements for Kelsey have been shit. Or luckily, like we talked so, draft, if if, if a skilled sure. tight end in the draft falls yeah. to the third or fourth round, Chiefs should pull the trigger on that. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, 
You guys let us know what you guys think. What 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 kind of moves do you want to see in this offseason? We'll keep talking about this as, as, as the offseason goes on. But let us know. Hit us up on Facebook at The Spoken, Twitter at The Spoken Pod. Let us know what you guys think, man. We're going to take a quick break because we need to get to you guys. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. KC Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at KC Hemp Co. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. What we do each and every week is we give you, the listeners, the listening audience, the opportunity to take over an entire segment. Whatever you guys are fuming on, whatever your takes are, whatever your frustrations are, the world of sports, whatever it is, you get to relay it to us, and we get to relay to you our reactions to whatever it is you relayed. That was a, hey. a lot of detail there. Okay, so nevertheless, as we do each and every week, Eddie, what in the hell is in the Monday Mailbag this All week? All right, man. First question comes from good old Shaggy Shane. Of course. Let's of get course. it. Uh, his question is... Two weeks after the 98, uh, 1998 NFL season, the NFL was shocked when Marty Schottenheimer retired. Would you be surprised if Andy Reid retired in two weeks? Yes, very much so. Because although I, I do take into account that, that Andy has you know coached for well, this 20, that was his 22nd season in the NFL uh, as a head coach, not just coaching. He's been coaching for over 30 years. I, I take that into account. I take his age into account, obviously. And I know this has been something that Shaggy's, you know, talked about for a few years now. I, I just I have a hard time believing that Andy's even close to being done just from the perspective of knowing what he has. I mean, you're talking about the downfall of the Chiefs over the last three seasons has been an overtime loss in the AFC championship that you hosted. That's your downfall? Like that's the worst it's gotten over the last three years with Patrick Mahomes. And that was back in Patrick Mahomes' raw as fuck. Now he's the by far best player in the NFL. And you know you're only going to get better from here. You're going to get free agents that are just want to flock to Kansas City. You have Brett Veach in place, who you trust and believe is going to get you a team in, in drafting and the draft side of things. I, I have a hard time believing Andy Reid's just going to walk away from all that when he has spent so many years as a head coach with Kevin Cobb and Jeff Garcia and Donovan McNabb and Alex Smith. And I have a hard time believing that he worked all this time to get to a Patrick Mahomes and walk away from that. I, I'm sure that the Chiefs are planning for that if that was to happen. But just with everything I know about Andy Reid, this is his life. This is what he loves. And, and I don't think he's going to leave anything to, to be had. That he's going to give everything he's possibly got in his life to put into coaching. And when he's done, he'll, he'll let us know. And I think he'll be a quiet Tim Duncan-style retirement where he just kind of, oh, yeah, I'm done. I don't think it's anywhere close. I think we're going to see Andy Reid here for at least another four or five seasons. I think I'll be shocked if by 2025 he's still not our head coach here in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, if the question is, would I be shocked? Absolutely, I'd be shocked. I mean, winning is contagious. Success is contagious. Success is addicting, right? And when you have the golden child right now, the future face of this league in your grasp, and he's your guy, and you can continually, you know, possibly even improve upon him and watch him blossom into even a better player from here on out. He's not going to just walk away from that, especially when we made back-to-back Super Bowls. Yeah, we we lost this recent one, but when you make back-to-back Super Bowls with 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 your eyes set on multiple other appearances, maybe a third back-to-back-to-back, you know that's which is 
were already the favorite to make it back there again. You know, so that's not something you just walk away from. Um, Andy Reid having the career that he's had and the, the resume that he's had, he's had some blunders, you know, and he's had some failures. And he's still, I truly believe he's still as competitive as ever. I still think he wants to make up for some lost, you know, successes that he had in, the, in his grasp that that, that, that that fell out of his, you know, out of his hands that he could have taken advantage of that he didn't. Um, just recently, the Super Bowl, you know, that was a, that was a learning experience. And I fully, like we've always heard about Andy Reid, yeah, he's the, he's the nice guy. He's a player's coach, but at the same time, he's a dog. He's very competitive. He's gritty. He wants to. He's he selfishly. I'm sure he wants to get some more. You know, chips, man. That's that's something he wants. You know, he said it last year at the parade. You know, we were going to be right back here, and that was the goal. You know, we fell short in the biggest game, but I I, I fully expect it. Like 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 you said, Lance, to for him to be here the next four or five seasons at least. Yeah. Um. He still has that youthful way about him. He's not like he's not some like corrosive old man that's you know weeble wobbling and barely making it to the podium and, and struggling to get words out. It's not that, you know, he's, he's, we've seen a lot of coaches, you know, in these, in, in their, their later years have success, you know, so, um, it just makes him all the more knowledgeable. And I, I fully expect him to be our head coach for the next handful of years for sure. Good question, though. I, I, I think it's a fair question to ask. Yeah. 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 So what's next, Eddie? Second question comes from Billy Hodge. Uh, hello, men and Eddie. Yeah. How he excludes me Never from, gets uh, old, bro. Never gets old. Um, Do you leave him on red or something? Like, what happened here? I don't know. <laughs> Beats me. Are you, are you calling him William Hodge now? Is that what's happening? Oh, no. It's because I, I, I stopped being biased. And, oh, got it. Uh, I picked the Chiefs to lose one game, and holy <laughs> shit. And Billy you ready? Yeah. Uh, Chiefs! You're dead to me. Yeah, dead yeah. to me. I'm sorry that I picked him to lose the game. <laughs> shit. Come on, Billy. Uh... <laughs> What's the next step for the Chiefs this offseason besides the O-line? Uh, kind of what I was you know, uh, alluding to earlier, I think that the Chiefs just really need to worry about getting their cap structure in place. Um, I think that obviously you, you want to – if I'm the Chiefs, I, I execute it like this. I, I would like to see um, a couple key free agents on offense. I know that, you know that sounds simple, but it's really not. Um, with low market value you know, that you can really put under the cap – and I would really like to see them be aggressive on the defensive side. Like I said, go and get a guy like Solomon Thomas who has low expectations but can really, really help out. Try to get J.J. Watt if you can. Get some veteran presence on this defense and add to these young guys because they're going to need that. LeJarius Sneed now has a target on his back. People know LeJarius Sneed now. Wide receivers are going to go after him and try to expose him. Offenses are going to try to expose him. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose Brashad Brillon this offseason. He's going to get paid somewhere. Mm-hmm. Rashad Fent right now is the second corner on this team. That's not good enough. The Chiefs are going to have to figure that out. So I think on the defensive side, you're going to see the Chiefs really attack on free agency. And those are just, like I said, I just named a couple guys. There's going to be several more guys are going to try and go and key. But I think that outside of the O-line, which has to be priority number one, going and getting another edge rusher, going and getting a linebacker, and going and getting another cornerback, it's it's pivotal at this point. Yeah, for me, it's 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 getting another linebacker, absolutely. Outside of the O-line, it's linebacker for me. Um you know, finding finding a, maybe a linebacker that's that's good in coverage. Um, watching Gronk, the corpse of Gronk, run all over us uh, in the Super Bowl and scoring twice was just like fucking something that, that's just night that's nightmare worthy. So I don't want to see that ever again. Uh, Gronk always finds a way to kill us, and it's just really really frustrating. Gets under my skin more than anything, man. Um, so you know, finding you know linebackers that can maybe hang with the tight ends a little more in coverage. Um, 
I, I, I believe in Willie Gay. I think Willie Gay is going to be a good asset to this team his, with his physicality, but I think he's going to be a more of a get-after-the-quarterback kind of guy. He can probably get out and, and, and play some coverage here and there, but that's not really what he's known for. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, linebacker, another corner. Even though I do have love for Rashad Fitton, I think he's a player. Um, I think he's a feisty dude. I think he's a solid player. He could be a true number two corner on this team. Um, but, yeah, de- definitely need to get the depth um, there and – I would throw in another tight end. I think we need to bring another tight end here um, because we haven't had a legitimate backup for Travis Kelsey for three years now. So uh, throwing another skilled tight end player and there would be another one for me. Next question comes from uh, Chris Dirks. Uh, will you finally acknowledge the GOAT? And I'm assuming he's asking Lance. Yeah, I, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I can't with you. <sighs> I, I, that question, I mean, I, I don't I, I've uh, I've carried this torch of of the goat for football. The goat discussion just gets really annoying to me. Tom Brady. Everyone knows if anyone is true to football and true to their to what they watch on TV. Tom Brady's not the best football player they've ever seen. That's bullshit. Everyone knows that. Stop it. He's not the best quarterback talent we've ever seen. Stop it. He's the most successful for sure. He's had great uh, rosters. He's had great moments in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. Congratulations. I just hate the go gone conversation, to be honest. Um, basketball is more fun to talk about because it's easily more debatable because you play the entire game. You play every, you play both sides of the, of the court. Um, for sure, Tom Brady. If you want to call Tom Brady the GOAT, congratulations. You know, Grab your lotion. Have yourself a night. Um, I, don't, I really don't care, honestly. Right. Pat's better if we're going to go there, but Pat's definitely better quarterback talent. That's not even a question. All right, next question. Hey, guys. Uh, fuck. It comes from Chris Tepler. <laughs> <laughs> what up? Comes from who, I'm sorry? Chris Pepler. What up, Pepler? Hey, Chris. <laughs> uh, hey, guys, love the show. Uh, do you think they should have just put Rankin in at left tackle so only one change in the O-line versus three? Wouldn't it have made sense to use tight end or a sausage to chip and go out and go out and flat for a quicker hitter? When when games like that happen, when when a result comes about like that, we always can play revisionist history and say, oh, they probably should have done it this way. Look, at the end of the day, Andy Reid felt this was the best way of going about it. There was really no easy answer on how to do this. I mean, you had a makeshift offensive line unlike anything we've ever seen in a Super Bowl. Going against you, the toughest defensive line in the league. You can't, yeah, you can't go through the other 54 previous Super Bowls and find a team that had an offensive line where your right tackle's playing guard and your guard's playing left tackle and your center. I mean, it was just all over the place. You had literally two opt-outs before the season and three injuries to your offensive starting line. Assimilate blows not one but two tendons in his legs. Eric Fisher, at the end of the season, with going into the Super Bowl, blows his Achilles. Mitchell Schwartz has been out almost all season long. Uh, LDT opts out. Lucas Nian, who you spent a third-round pick on, opts out. Injuries all over the board. Mike Rimmers was a late, last-minute addition before the season, just before the season started. Yeah. Mike Rimmers got signed. So, and he's playing left tackle in the Super Bowl. And the last time Mike Rimmers played in the Super Bowl, he shit his pants also against the Broncos, against Vaughn Miller. Dude can't catch a break. So, I understand, like, thinking back, you're like, man, they could have done this. I understand that. I, I've been doing it nonstop. I'm obsessed with it. At the end of the day, like I said, this is what the Chiefs felt was best to go with. Do I agree with it? I don't know because I don't. I can't think of a scenario that you do something that's more effective than what they did. It was just a bad matchup, plain and simple. The Chiefs got outclassed because they did not have their best horses at offensive line. There's no coincidence to me, real quick, Trevor, before I let you go, 
There's no coincidence to me that it was a literal night and day comparison between when Patrick Mahomes had a formidable offensive line against the Bucs to that in the Super Bowl. Week 12, he had Eric Fisher protecting his blind side. And he went for 462 yards and three touchdowns. No Eric Fisher has his worst game of his career. It's no coincidence. Yeah. So that's a real problem. It's not about having sausage out there chipping. It's not about any of these other like, you know, situation scenarios you want to put out there, which I understand again, that's just not the that's not the potion, if you if you will. Yeah, hindsight analysis is easy, man. Um it the deciding factor of the game, anybody who watched, so you don't have to be know football that well, the deciding factor of that game was just the defensive line for the Buccaneers was just that much better than the offensive line of the Kansas City Chiefs. Plain and simple. That's just the deciding factor of the game. Mahomes on the run every snap. Uh, do I do I think there could have been things that could have been you know implemented in, in, in offensive line wise or just overall game plan offensively? Sure, but does it matter? No, because I'm not the one that makes. I, I'm trusting Andy Reid to make those decisions. I'm not going to be the one that's going to try to analyze Andy Reid's genius. You know, to what he sees in practice for two whole weeks and making up his mind of what he thinks is the best scenario heading into a Super Bowl. I'm not really going to try to play that game to where I think I can outsmart Andy Reid and what would be the best. I, I personally wanted to see more rollout plays. Uh, we didn't see any. Did that? I remember any real rollout plays where it's a direct snap to, to Pat in the pistol and he just rolls out with the O-line just to immediately avoid the pressure. Um, Pat's really good at those plays, going left or right. It doesn't really matter. Um, I really wanted to see more of that, but we didn't. Um, I, I felt like we could have dinked and dunked our way to a Super Bowl victory, honestly. I, th- I We didn't really do any dinking and dunking. We didn't play underneath as much as I thought we should have because that's what they were giving us, but we still didn't entertain it much. We were still trying to – you know, just trust Pat to make plays, and it's just it was unfair to Pat the entire game, um, and everyone knows it. Um, so yeah, I mean, there could have been you know maybe there was a secret formula to to. Uh, I just don't think there was much we could do with what the the guys we had and the lack of talent we had in the offensive line. So yeah. All right, next question, Chris Dirksigan. It said, "All BS aside, um, I want you to break this down. A Tom Brady led team has beaten a Pat Mahomes led team two times when it really mattered." The AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, and both times he has went on to win uh, the Super Bowl. How does this happen? What's your take on that? Uh, Brady appears to be the Chiefs' kryptonite when it comes to big games. Yeah, Brady was the real kryptonite against the Chiefs in the 2018 AFC Championship when he threw three fucking picks. And luckily, D Ford lined up off sides on that critical play because had he not lined up off sides, Brady throws a pick that ends the game, and the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. So spare me that bullshit. And in this Super Bowl against the Chiefs, Tom Brady was maybe the fifth or sixth reason why the Bucs won that game. He had barely 200 yards. He didn't have any touchdown over 10 yards in the air in that game. Again, Tom Brady is, is the most successful player in the NFL. No one's debating that. No one's disputing that. But it, it really does bother me as an individual that loves greatness and appreciates greatness to see him get so much praise for being carried so many times. He's never had a defense finish under seven, or over 17th in overall defense in a single season. He's had at least a top 10 defense eight different times in his career. He's never won a Super Bowl without a top 10 defense. There's a lot of circumstances that we don't consider with Tom Brady. I think it's just ridiculous that we talk about him as if he is the Chiefs kryptonite when in both wins against the Chiefs in the playoffs – he wasn't the deciding factor. You can't look at a single moment in either one of those games where Tom Brady did a damn thing to change the momentum of the game or made a deciding uh, play in those games. So I just 
I, I understand that there's people out there that are just going to continually chomp on the on the jock of Tom Brady no matter what he does or how he contributes to a win because when it, when a win is a win, a win is a win to a lot of people out there. And there's just there's really no reason to even talk about it. It's just it's to me it's a complete fallacy. It's myth. That's what it is. It's just you're building a myth out of a guy who didn't really do much to really contribute to either one of these victories. But you know what? Like Trevor said, have at it. Lay out. Sprawl yourself out on your sheets. Listen to Sting and have yourself a good old time with yourself with Anthony. Yeah, I mean, alongside the GOAT debate in football, it, this is this is even of a worse scenario we're going into here because uh, the most confusing thing with this argument or topic is quarterbacks beating quarterbacks. That makes no sense, guys. Quarterbacks don't play each other. They play the opposing defenses. This isn't Madden, all right? You're not sitting on a couch controlling the offense and the defense. If you lose in Madden, you're playing someone, someone beats you in Madden, you lost to that other player because they're controlling both sides of the game. Pat has lost to Tom Brady-led teams, sure, but it's not like Tom Brady is completely outperforming it. Yeah, he outperformed in the Super Bowl, for sure. Did he outperform in 2018? No. Pat played better. Pat had the better numbers. Pat did whatever he could. We fall short. It sucks. It just so happened to be Tom Brady. It just so happened to be Eli Manning twice when Tom Brady lost to Eli Manning. Was it, who was the better quarterback? We all know Tom Brady's the better quarterback than Eli Manning, but he lost to those great defenses, not to Eli fucking Manning. I know Eli had late-game heroics, but it wasn't like Tom Brady's out there playing corner. Jesus Christ, guys. They're playing the opposing defenses. They're not playing. They're not out there having a throwing contest. <laughs> it's not like there's no defenses out there, and they're, they're both playing on you know opposite sides of the field, and who can throw the most touchdowns? It's not. This is it's just such a stupid thing Chris Dirks it's really stupid buddy so I just th- this argument is just it, it just falls flat every time because it's not it's a non-starter to begin with because the quarterbacks are playing the opposing defenses they're not out there having a throwing contest it's not the deciding factor of the, who the better quarterback is in the game doesn't who, and who wins the game isn't the deciding factor who's the better quarterback so uh, we can put this to bed we all know Pat's the better talent Tom Brady won because he had the better team that night point blank period that's Good good Monday mailbag, guys. We really appreciate all the questions, all the contributors. We do this each and every week. So if you didn't get in on this week, hit us up, man. Let us know what you guys have. I post it every single Monday, man. So so be on the lookout. Uh, we always have a great time. We always appreciate every single one of you guys for bringing up stuff because we love we love getting a reaction from you. And we love to give you our reactions to whatever it is you guys want to talk about. We have one more order of business for episode one hundred three, guys. What's it called? Hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the who? The her? I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating oh L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant man. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. It's time to hold this L. What we do each and every week to wrap the show up is we like to give out some friendly or not-so-friendly Ls in the world of sports. I promise you, though, 
Whoever is receiving the L's, whether they are friendly or unfriendly, they very much deserve them. So let's start with Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo. Who is holding the L this week, and why is it F1? <laughs> uh, F1 doesn't start till next the end of next month. You would month, still find a way so... to give him an L. That's bullshit. Uh, that's why you're going to give him an L. Well, he didn't start early enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bullshit. <laughs> it was a shit. Nah. Uh, you know what? I'm going to have to give it to the Texans. Uh, uh, this L is going to have to go to the Texans. At one point, you had three superstars in this team. Uh, now you only have one left, and he's potentially leaving this season too. Uh, you go from having DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Deshaun Watson, and J.J. Watt in this team, and my yeah, God. That's, nothing to show yeah, for. And only one playoff win. And then you thought you had the Chiefs, but, uh, yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, you stayed you – stayed, uh, Faithful to Bill O'Brien for some fucking reason. You made him your GM for some reason. You made him ha- have those uh, final decisions. Uh, that's why uh, DeAndre Hopkins got traded because of that. For pennies. Uh, and then obviously the the news today of JJ Watt asking for his uh, for his release. Uh, that that's just it must suck to be a Texans fan right say, now. Those poor fans, man. Uh, uh, to be a Texans fan right now, it must hurt. Just those so proud bad. Texan people, yes. like it has to hurt so yeah. bad. Uh, yeah, like how I many said, more? How many more Cowboy fans are there going to be this year? Oh, <laughs> this shit be a going lot more. <laughs> They're transitioning. Yeah, <laughs> they have to bring another. They have to bring a superstar in yeah. in order to uh, kind of like help the the wound. Cause it's it's soften the blow. If yeah, because you know, it's it's massive. They should just change the name. There's just yeah, completely mass- rebrand yeah, it. It's, it's massive. It's a massive Again. loss. Yeah, it's oh, a yeah, massive man. loss. Yeah. Like you, you're talking about three uh, potential Hall of Famers. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Like no questions asked. Probably first ballot. All one, three of them. Yeah, one playoff victory. Probably yeah. one playoff victory, and yeah. So. The organization did not know how to handle this situation. They 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 got a fucking they don't know what they're doing. Preacher guy, you guys watch his stand or his I called it a stand up because he was like comedy, straight up comedy. Jack Easterby, mm-hmm. he's like oh, some yeah. preacher guy, and he's just like he's yeah. running your fucking football operations. That's yeah, just, so you deserve all have this. Some faith, yeah, Lance. So have some faith. This is this is this is uh, self uh, self inflicted. Yeah. Uh, Needless to say, it's been a slow burn one. So time. for that. The Houston Texans are going to have to hold this L. L. Trevor Tuchel, who's holding the L for you this week? Uh, the man? NFL is going to have to hold this L. Oh, um, I'm just going to keep it on topic with, with the show, with the Super Bowl. Um, for some reason, the mic'd up um, Super Bowls playoff games are always a joy to watch, man. They're always great. Awesome. Last year's last year's in San Fran with George Kittle and Kelsey and all these, you know, Frank Clark, Chris Jones. There were so many good bites, sound bites from that game. It was incredible. Um, they decided, I guess, to and obviously we all knew the altercation between Tyron Matthew and, and Brady was kind of one of the big moments of the, the game biggest, yeah, with yeah. him pointing in Tom Brady, Tom Brady chasing him down twice and then not getting a flag. But uh, you know, a finger can be very offensive, you know. So a flag was given to Tyron Matthew for the for the for an index finger being pointed. You know, that's very offensive. Um, they decided to not. Yeah, include the audio from what Tom Brady said because Tom Brady was obviously mic'd up, and I believe Tyron Matthew was mic'd up as well. They believe they they decided to go against allowing the audio to be played for the mic'd up in that segment. They got rid of that segment. I think all of us know why because Tom Brady obviously felt the need to text immediately text Tyron Matthew after the game was over and apologize. 
So obviously there was something that Tom Brady had said that must have been pretty offensive. Tyron Matthew made it clear on Twitter immediately after the game that he had never, one, had never seen that side of Tom Brady, and two, said something he didn't want to repeat, right? So it, it just it just has that protecting. It, it's really growing tire. Just it happened to be Tom Brady and the, the league covering something up for Tom Brady, not wanting to, you know, diminish his not image. Surprising. You know what I mean? Even though he, he was absolutely soused at the at the at the party, him walking around drunk. Either way, um, it's just for me, man. It's just really annoying. It's really annoying to see the league continue to to. I mean, I know they've had their run-ins. He's had his run-ins with Goodell, and Goodell's laid the hammer on him that one with that suspension. Outside of that, man, there's just been way too much favoritism to this guy for for great reasons. I mean, he's he's a, obviously the most successful football player of all time. Um, but for them not to allow the fans to have that moment and hear what was said and get the raw, audible, you know, be in that moment and hear what they had to say, you know, and I'm sure Tyron had some words that were pretty choice as well. Um, if that's the case, if there's something like uh, racial or something like that that was being that's said. That's what I'm that, saying. We should be able to know something like that was said. I think. Well, Michael Irvin did watch the footage, and he did confirm there was nothing racial. For sure, I don't, okay. I don't really no, care. That's if not even what I was in my mind. Was, if something offensive was said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there should be repercussions to either. Well, one, even if Tom Brady was like, "Fuck your mother" or the, something, the, we yeah. should, we should be able to hear that. The, why should why should they get to choose what we get to hear and not? The, that, back, that, the that, backlash, though, with all the, and I don't want to, I don't want to take away from your time. No, dude, no, no. But the the backlash with it all, though, for NFL films is the reason why they get such inc- exclusive content with these players and the players feel comfortable is because they know they're not going to go out there and show out their dirty laundry. So I'm being serious. Like they, you notice in most NFL films, you don't see the altercations. Dude, how like, much shit did Frank Clark they, say and got away with well, last that's why, year? That's why the DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> dropping versus, the N word left and right. You know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins versus D'Angelo Hall several years ago. Yeah. Remember, I fear God, I fear God when they're going at each other. That's why that was such a rare one. But both players agreed to releasing that footage. If both players don't release that footage, you have a bad faith situation just, I, now with NFL films. And I just players, if you agree to wear, if you agree to wear a mic, anymore. if you, you know agree I mean? to like wear a, a mic, man, that's what I'm saying. That's kind of it's kind of a press thing though for yeah. them for NFL films. What choice do they really have? I get what you're saying. I would love to hear the fucking footage because it would make Tom Brady sound like a piece of shit. Because I'm yeah. sure what he said was horrible, but that doesn't. That isn't what the NFL films was because if they drop that, yeah. NFL, Tom Brady's going to say, "Yeah, fuck you. I'm never letting you do that again." Because my legacy and my position in people's minds drops well, naturally. probably found the tapes and destroyed it like he did his phone. You know? so, <laughs> yeah. you know. There you go. They, they yeah. couldn't release it. Right. <laughs> you destroy the evidence. So NFL films, NFL in general, trying to you know cover your ass, cover the ass of the golden boy once again. I wanted to hear it. I'm going to find a way yeah. to hear it. I'm going to find some you know scavenger hackers to find it somehow. Um, you have to do me a favor, man, and uh, hold, hold this. <laughs> Eddie's in mid-drink over there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, man, I, I guess I'll fucking do it. I I, I, I didn't want to give out an L. I'm gonna I'm going to though, just because it's low hanging fruit. So we all know that people have been waiting forever to to utilize or get something on Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. The moment he fails on the biggest stage, all of a sudden people feel that all of a sudden that they can now justifiably criticize him in a way that is not only unfair but it, it just flat out wrong. He finally lost by more than ten. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Since high school, <laughs> and 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 so unfortunately, there's a lot of these guys that make a living off of hot takes, and so what they do is they now make these hot cake takes about Patrick Mahomes 
not being as great as we thought he was, or you know that he's somehow regressing, or that we need to pump the brakes on Patrick Mahomes. So that's speak for yourselves, host Marcellus Wiley's take. I'm going to play just a little bit of it because I can't stomach all of it, and I'm sure you guys have all heard it. But if you haven't, here it is. Yes, hell yes, it's time to pump the brakes on this goat conversation that was brewing and certainly this dynasty conversation that was brewing. You know what I hate in this business? And it's only a few things. Um, I hate when likability colors analysis or accolades. I hate that, man. Let me give you an example. I hate when T.O. had to wait to Owens to be a third ballot Hall of Famer when all the numbers said he was a top three receiver of all time. Should have been a first ballot, right? But you know what's worse than that? When our likability protects us, when it also makes someone be fluffed over in terms of the analysis, when it keeps people in the media from keeping it 100. Right now, we are going through that. Because in the media that always wants to be first and not always right, this is a rare example where I'm about to be first and right. Patrick Mahomes is in regression, brother. And I don't understand why people don't want to talk about it, but I'm here to bring the smoke. Yeah, I, 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 look, I, I was going to let him finish his point, and you guys can finish that up yourselves. I, The moment when he said, first of all, that he was going to be the first and the one right by saying that Patrick Mahomes is in regression, look, guys, you can have your opinions. You, you may not be as big of a fan of Patrick Mahomes as some of us are, being Chiefs fans, I, I understand that. I'm not sitting here saying you have to be a fan of Patrick Mahomes. You have to, you know, uh, bow to his feet in order for you to to be a, a legitimate person with a legitimate opinion. Marcellus Wiley made no sense. And again, I you can listen to the rest of it. Go go find Speak for Yourself and listen. It's like four and a half minutes long. I just wanted you guys to hear the key words of regression because over the last three seasons, playoffs included, this is where Patrick Mahomes ranks in these categories. Wins first, touchdowns first, yards first, 300-yard games first, yards per attempt first, QBR first, quarterback rating first. He's regressing. Sounds like regression to me. A 25-year-old who, at his lowest moment, has lost in the AFC Championship in the overtime and a Super Bowl. That's the worst Patrick Mahomes has ever done in his career. And everybody wants to talk about Brady being the GOAT. Well, what worthy opponent is there more to lose to than the GOAT, supposedly? Let's say let's say Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. The only losses Mahomes has ever had in the playoffs is to him. That's regression? It, look, I, I'm just, I, I get triggered, and I can sit here and break all down the facts and stats, and but I don't want to take away from ourselves being right, even though he's completely fucking wrong. It, it, it's hot take culture. It's it's it to me. I hate it. Like I've been tempted to make hot takes in the past. Over you know over the two years of doing this show, I like enticing you guys. I like being you know a, a provocateur, if you will, and and, and make you know mind bending thoughts and takes. But I also have integrity, and unfortunately for Marcellus, he has none. Because this isn't the first time he said stupid sh- shit like this. He's also said stuff about Lamar Jackson being the superior, better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes, even though that's just absolutely absurd. Should we stop I have, that train? I have yeah. my theories as to why Marcellus feels this way. I'm going to leave those. I'm going to keep those ones to myself. The point remains: it's fucking ridiculous. Marcellus Wiley owns an alphabetical letter, and it is an L. So do me a favor, Mr. Marcellus Wiley, and hold this now. Before we finish the show, though, I do want to hand out a couple W's. Um, and they're both to Kansas City. And I know that sounds crazy because Kansas City took some L's this week. 
But I want to give a W to Chiefs fans. Because as I alluded to earlier, this is truly the golden era of football. Yes, obviously we would much rather the Chiefs have won the Super Bowl than have lost it. But think about where we are to more where we were our entire lives. Think about Trevor, you and I are in our early 30s. Eddie, you're in your late 20s. This would have been a dream come true for us to say that we got to two straight Super Bowls and an AFC championship within a three-year window. Hosting three AFC championships, by the way. Being the class of the NFL for three years, and it's only going to continue from here on out. Because like I said, as long as Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are here in Kansas City, that is exactly what we're going to be here. So I'm going to give a W to Kansas City because although we feel down and out right now, trust me, I get it, guys. I've been in a state of depression as a Chiefs fan over the last several days. At the same time, man, there is so much hope, and I told you guys, it's because also I know this team's going to do what it takes to build this team to get back right back to where they were, right back to where they were. And they're going to prove fools like Marcellus Wiley wrong time and time again. They already have. So I'm going to give a W to my Kansas City people because we deserve it, and we're getting those guys, and there's going to be more Ws as time goes on. And also I want to give another W to Kansas City because of the fact that although we lost Marty Schottenheimer and Therese Paler, we had the fortune of having them. We had the fortune of having these men as our own. And like I said, neither one of these men are from Kansas City, but they were one of us. And although we lost them both in a same, in a basically a same, the same exact day, we had them. We gained the experiences and memories that we will have for the rest of our lives. And I know if I know anything about my city and the place I've spent my entire life, it's that once we have somebody that we love and adore, they are infinite to us. They will always be that to us. Marty Schottenheimer will forever be known as one of the most beloved characters in the history of. of of the Chiefs. And if it wasn't for Marty, I don't think we have the passionate fan base that we have right now. I truly do not. That's not hyperbole. I truly believe that he is what saved the Chiefs franchise. And Therese Paler, being one of the most authentic and gifted reporters in the history of NFL writers, if you ask my personal opinion, he was only 37 years old. To be able to say that he started his career here in Kansas City and the love and the passion and the zeal he gave this this fan base and this and this city and how honest he was and how open he was to all of us, I consider us very lucky and blessed to have that. So that's another W I definitely want to give out there. And I and I really, really, truly appreciate all the hard work and diligence that he put into Kansas City and to what he did while he was here. And before we end the show, I do want to remind everybody that there is a little girl that is still very much in critical condition that unfortunately the mishaps and the irresponsibility of one Britt Reed caused this misfortune and mishap to happen in her life. And obviously we're all hoping for the best, but in the meantime, there is a GoFundMe page out there and we're going to share the link to our podcast. So wherever you see this, whether it's on Facebook or or Twitter, there will be that link for you to be able to donate whatever you have. Now, the good thing is their goal was to raise $420,000 They've already exceeded that by over $55,000. They're sitting at $475,000 right now. So if you can, the, the, the goal's not over, guys. I know that that was where they wanted to reach, but this little girl still, her life is hanging in the balance. And I'm not being dramatic. That is the truth. Let's help this family out as much as we possibly can. Because even if, and hopefully when she does get through this, there's a long road for her in recovery. And we have to be there as Kansas City, as Kansas Cityans. She's one of us as well. 
And if we're proud to call ourselves fans of Marty and, and, and followers of Therese, we need to be there for Ariel. So let's do that. Let's let's join together. Let's let's bond together, guys, and let's 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 hope for the best with Ariel and her family as they go through an uh, unforeseen, uh, excruciating time. I can't even imagine what it's what they're going through right now. But we got to be there for them in this time. So on that, this is a fun show, guys. We really do appreciate. It. I know there's a lot of serious moments in this. Usually, it's always lighthearted here, but we've been going through a lot of shit, man, in Kansas City. But we're going to get through this, and, and we're going to, you know, if, if 2020 taught us anything, guys, is that we can survive pretty much anything. And uh, we're doing that here at the Spoken Podcast, and I know everyone that's listening to my voice right now is doing the exact same. Hang tough, guys. We're going to continue to pump out content for you, and we hope that we always keep it fun and lighthearted for you guys. But at the same time, we're all humans. we got to keep it real, too. we got to talk about real shit. So in the meantime, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for Clay Wendler, for Gat, for the entire KCPN crew, I am Lance Twidwell, the Spoken Podcast. 103 is in the books. It's done. Until next time, until 104 is around, 103 is out. See y'all later. See you. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoken. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price Tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Es mejor llegar tarde a casa que nunca volver a llegar. Es mejor llegar tarde al trabajo que nunca volver a trabajar. Y es mejor recoger tarde a tus hijos que nunca volver a recogerlos. Llegar tarde a donde vayas por esperar a que pase el tren es mucho mejor que arriesgar tu vida tratando de ganarle el paso. Por algo existe el dicho, más vale tarde que nunca. Alto, el tren no para. Mensaje de Netzer.